Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. My name is Chet Czar and I'm your host. And uh, this week I've got a great interview with Bruce Mitchell. He is a fellow effects artist, still working in the industry, but he does these amazing fine art masks, mask helmets, I guess you could call them. Really super cool. He's been in a bunch of the conjoined shows we've shown together uh, many times and he's just a great guy really fun to talk to really smart dude so i know you are going to enjoy that um i'm gonna make this short because it's tuesday at 4 19 p.m and i still have to edit the podcast together and oh my god so much is going on it's crazy um I got the first couple books, literally like two of the books shipped out. So the process is happening. The dystopia books are being shipped. Oh my Lord. It's crazy. Um, so that's starting. Uh, I, my second NFT dropping Friday, I did my first one and it, it did really well. So that was great. So I'm just going to keep following this thing and see where it goes. Um, uh, let's see what else I just, it's like, I, I, uh, I'm so inspired for so many projects now. Um, but I have so much stuff I have to get done still. I've got rewards still. I have to finish for dystopia, but I'm just trying to take it slow and methodical and just get things done and get them out because I get overwhelmed because I've got <clears throat> just a ton of things I'm trying to do at once. It's ridiculous. Hopefully I'll get off this treadmill at some point before I die. Hopefully that's not the only way to get off the treadmill. I kind of have a feeling it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's been a lot of, yeah, this whole NFT space is such a trip. Um, I don't want to keep talking about it i know some people hate it with the passion but uh and i won't i won't keep talking about it but um the community is so inspiring and amazing on there it's it's crazy it's really got me inspired to create a bunch of new work and so cool so cool um hard it's hard to you know i've said before it's hard to kind of uh wrap your head around it until you're sort of in there amongst them and uh so that's just a big thing going on, but you know, I've got, I'm still trying to dig myself out of this hole I've gotten myself into over the last five years and it's happening slowly, but surely I mean, getting those books out is huge. So now I got to go make a Kickstarter announcement that they're shipping and the people that whose addresses changed because in five years, people have literally moved like three times it's it's crazy so i got to make sure all the addresses are up to date and i'm basically going to have to well I, I i did the backer kit thing so so backer kit is a is a fulfillment software to help you manage your reward fulfillment uh, but since this thing has been such a clusterfuck because of me I'm basically going to end up having to just mail them out one by one because I'm going to make, I have to make sure everybody gets their book that the address is right. So I can't really do any of this, take advantage of the backer kit uh, 
uh, automatization, auto, what is the word I'm looking for? Autom automation. <laughs> the fucking wreck. Um, you know, it's not the word automation. <laughs> oh my God. I've had such an insane day today. Uh, uh, anyway, you know what I'm saying? Like, being able to ship them all at once, like hit one button and then boom, spit out a bunch of labels and then they're marked shipped. It's not going to happen. I have to do it manually one by one, but I'm getting it done. Oh, and it also, I just found out it costs a hundred dollars to ship, the, ship the book to Australia. So that's going to be fun. I got to figure that one out. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy, but I'm maintaining, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm doing well personally feeling good about things. So um, I'm not in a bad way at all. It's just, just, it's just a lot of kind of uh, activity happening all the time. Uh, so let's see, that's about all that's been going on. Isn't that enough? Um, let's do the, 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 oh, uh, oh no, that's not, I guess it kind of is. I started uh, Discord. That's kind of cool. But um, that's sort of like mainly for my patrons and collectors and stuff. But um, I'm trying to get the Dark Art Society Discord kind of connected to Patreon. That's just another thing. I shouldn't mention it until it's done. Um, having some difficulty there. But uh Okay, let's just get on with it. Uh, if you want to join the Dark Art Society, you can support the podcast uh, for a dollar a month. Dark Art Society, uh, patreon.com slash Society, and get your name read, get access to the Discord and the Facebook group. We really should get the Facebook group over to the Discord because Facebook is so awful. But uh, it's, that's where all the action is right now. We've got some changes to the website. Um, Josh made, I forget what it was. It was, uh, I think, a Discord widget. So you can join from, I don't know. It's just all too much for me. Sorry. Um, let's get on with it. Okay. So new subscribers. Uh, Senator Greaves. He's a great artist works in uh gaming and stuff i gotta have him on the podcast because he's one of my new nft buddies and he's a really cool guy and we both like cool music like the minutemen and no means no um carl steinhagen thank you uh craig vance thank you uh let's see ray martin Thank you, Ray. Albert Fisk, Christy Clark, and Jason Farmer, another NFT dude. Well, he's not an NFT dude. I, I've known him for a long time, but he's he's done well in NFTs over the last year, I think, really, or six months. It's done really well. Um, thank you, Jason. Want to have Jason on the show too, if he'll come on. Uh, yeah, that's a lot this this week. Wow. Cool. Well, thank you all for supporting. You're making it happen. We don't have to have commercials or any sponsorships or anything like that. And and it's supporting it and allowing me to do this. So I really appreciate that. I really do. 
you keep supporting, I'll keep doing it. It's a bitch to do this podcast every week. Let me tell you, it's hard, but as long as you keep supporting it, I'm going to keep doing it. So that's all there is to it. I just hear too many good things from um, dark art lovers to quit. I just, I, I feel a responsibility and I'm actually privileged to be able to, to do this. So I'm down. So that's it. Okay. Let's get on with Bruce Mitchell. Really cool guy. Uh, great conversation. Pretty long too. And um, yeah, you'll really enjoy it. He's super talented and super insightful actually. So that's it. All right. Here we go. Hope you like it. Okay. What's up, Bruce? We're recording. Hey, awesome. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I think I asked you... A year ago probably yeah or a year or or two i don't know there's <laughs> yeah it might have been two <laughs> it's that time in between now with uh with the pandemic yes the pandemic my first well, plague <laughs> <laughs> yeah how'd you manage through the plague um it's you know it's killed any social life i had but it's uh it's been good creatively i guess yeah yeah sure stayed busy uh, personally and at yeah. work too eventually once work opened back up uh, right I've yeah well stuff. yeah i can see that i'm in my little work zone right here actually you can't i was telling you earlier it'd be cool to be able to pan around i'll, I'll grab something every now and then and pull them down but yeah, uh, cool. i've got my little workstation inside my living room and then i've got a, a garage space but it's so tiny that i have to kind of tetris it to uh, a usable space each time i do a project well maybe you could send me some pictures too and we could do like a patreon uh gallery of your work and sure. shots of your of your workspace and stuff so yeah for people who don't know bruce and i worked together when did we meet do you know when we met because you were yeah, just was that, i was thinking about that it was at uh one of those guys seems like we know any, really to topless yeah. on the and cave either irobot or the cave it was the cave. i didn't work on irobot Okay. That was the movie where I've told the story many times where I was like, I'm getting out of the business. I can't yeah. take this anymore. But <laughs> you, I was, that was also when I first worked with you. You're just, oh, I've had it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was like, remember it was summer and every, every day we had to drag all that shit out into, out into the parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was stuff that's too toxic to be indoors for the facility. They have to do it. Right. Yeah, And that's a consistent thing that happens everywhere. It was so hot. It was in the middle of summer. It was next to a school. It was just so the yeah. whole thing was fucked up. <laughs> oh my God. So and that it was, was the coolest monster you never see. I know. I, it yeah. actually, and it, it was like kind of everything that's bad about the effects business. It was like the amazing monster, Steve Wang designed uh, to topless Steve Wang design. Yeah. And it was so cool. And you don't see it in the movie and the movie sucked and the conditions sucked. And yep. So it's just like, you know, the effects business can be amazing and great, but it could also be hell. And that was just like, it, it ticked all the hell boxes for me. Yeah. Well, I was stoked to, uh, I remember meeting you. What stuck out to me is you were working on your own personal stuff at lunch. 
and then we started to chat and I <laughs> oh, thought right. you would you that was nothing new to you it was more than just a hobby and you had uh you had just had or were gonna have the the, the wall at cannibal flower yeah so that was, was like that, the, it was the cannibal flower time right so that was just just when i was starting my career at my fine art trying to yeah yeah that's so cool what a trip wow just goes to show how long ago that was yeah you dragged me into that too <laughs> flower. i loved it it was great it did it was a really good uh thing to be part of because it became a monthly exercise right so you could see you could attend that and you could see who was just kind of going, uh, I want to try art and not really being serious, but you'd, you'd meet these people that were there every month and they'd bring work or they'd get inspired to do even better work. And they'd just start to create their own style by the, you know, the drive of meeting that deadline, that monthly deadline. Right. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I was just so focused on making it happen. I was just yeah. like, you know, showing up every time I was like, it's so funny that the cave, <laughs> the cave was, was the. Uh, I mean, I, I I had been trying, but but by the time I got, got to the working on the cave, it was like okay, I gotta yeah, get it. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, and then we worked at we worked at a bunch of other places. We worked at where else did we work together? We worked at Spectral, right? Together, I, or, I, I, I work at Spectral sometimes, but I think I missed those. I think I was at K and B at that time. I, I know we, we used to see each other at the art shows. Uh, we worked together on some other shows, haven't we? I don't know. I don't remember. It's hey, been Rick's? A while. You didn't that work was, at Rick's? That was like 2000. I never worked at Rick Baker's. Wow. Never had that chance. So Yeah, maybe I just saw you at like Velasco's art parties and, and the Cannibal yeah. Flower shows. And... Yeah, those have always been a... Velasco's art parties. I love that crowd. That's yeah. Why always, I'm always glad to get the invite. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah and unfortunately we haven't been able to do conjoin since the pandemic together, yeah you know so hopefully that'll be maybe next year you know so i was definitely in the first three to five conjoins yeah you, first three yeah you've been in a bunch of them yeah i know i i guess you know what it is we've probably shown in, together more in sh art shows than work together in the fx business i think right. maybe which is cool. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd prefer it. It makes it less, it's, it's more uh, celebrating your own endeavor. Than right. Lugging right. it out for somebody else. Yeah, I'm so happy that you you did that and do that as well. Because so many people have the opportunity to do it in effects. And like almost nobody does it. I always talk about that. How I, I expected more people to to at least give it a shot when I, when yeah. I went and did it and kind of was sort of like proving that it could be done. And yeah. it was like, nobody, nobody followed me. <laughs> I think there's people that give it a shot, but it's, it's also, it's, it's, I don't know. A lot of times I know myself as a freelancer, it's always a toss up to what kind of schedule you're going to have. Yeah. And you can't, and you can't live on that kind of money. That's a thing. And it's like, when you get yeah. a steady gig that, I mean, effects gigs, pay well yeah art gigs don't pay well you know so you've got to basically have another job be it's willing still, to work it, another job constantly is sort of how it is exactly and it's also it's that uh a lot of times when i have to do that sort of that realistic balance of like okay i'll sell my mask i usually whatever mask i make i always sell i got a i got one that's here or two that i haven't but everything else is is gone and it hmm. you know i'll get like up to three grand or 3,500 
so far but i feel like oh it, that's cool but it takes me a month to make it and I yeah can't i know that's that. the thing if you were making those for a shop like yeah. if you're an independent contractor charging a film studio or production right. company it, you would be charging probably like 15 or 20 grand or something oh yeah easily but easily I, I don't i don't have that it's a different market it's just a different yeah, market completely. you know you gotta be yeah it's like you gotta be you know, uh, that's a respectable around that range would be a respectable price to charge for your services in that industry. But you'd have to be like uh, Ron English or Mark Ryden or something to get those kind of prices in the art world. It's just the a dude different I, I dig. I know you've talked to him. I haven't listened to it once, but uh, this one, but uh, Cooksey, Chris Cooksey. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. I love his work. It's, uh, oh, you got to listen to his, his episodes. So good not awesome I will it's amazing definitely. yeah it's one of my favorite ones we've we've just chatted back and forth on like uh social medias before like i complimented him on some pieces he did and he, he got back to me he's like hey thank you very much and yeah he's amazing he's super cool super amazing guy that's but so cool I, uh, yeah his his stuff is awesome i dig it and i gotta say it was like when i saw his stuff out there i had made a i I do a lot of kit bashy kind of make stuff with models, mm -hmm. existing model kits, and you rearrange them into something else. It's like collage art, but styrene. And uh, I had <laughs> taken a, a piece of like it was a military helmet off of one model, a different scale, and I put it on this little. Uh, it was a it was a little boy that came with a, a kit, like a train kit. And then I took a uh, an airplane model off an aircraft carrier and put them all together. And I thought, I'm so clever. I'm, mis I'm mixing up scales and I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm uh, look at this little thing I made. And then I, that's about the time I saw one of his pieces for the first time. And it was just, it was a full on yeah. on a tank tread. <laughs> oh, holy shit. We, we uh, blew that style up. Yeah, it was like, it, I remember I first saw his stuff. I was a fan of his before he started doing that sculpture. Like I knew him through, I think, the Bain Art Surreal Collective or something. And I knew him as a painter because he's a really great painter too. I don't, people don't realize that, but yeah, he was doing, he did a lot of amazing paintings uh, before he was sculpting. And I remember first seeing his stuff and I was like, damn it, that mother, you know, I wish I would have thought of that. It's such a great idea. It's like, it's one of those ideas. It's so good that it's just a matter of who does it first. It's so good. It's like, yeah, it's right there floating around for definitely done. I've definitely seen it imitated from other artists right. who like the beginning of a TV show or that uh, some pirate show. Right. Uh, but, uh, and I thought it was his, I thought he did. It. I thought oh, good for him. He did a, a piece for an opening to a, a show, but right. no, I just ripped the style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's just his. Yeah. Anyway, I I remember seeing it and just being like, oh, it's a hit. You just some every once in a while you'll see someone come up with a a, a style of something they're doing. You just know it's going to be huge. Yeah, that's how it is. When I saw his stuff, I was like, oh, this is going to be just huge. And I, I guess I bring him up because uh, I find it really inspirational as far as a, a creative approach at a mixed media dimensional piece. Yeah, and that's the kind of niche i think my work would fall into or would how would you call it it's dimensional work but it's uh, often it's epoxy and found objects and uh it's got sort of things that you do with it or it's like goggles and and you do a lot yeah but you do a lot more sculpting like in there as well don't you yeah it's all it's all dremel work and right refinement and but it's it's uh i don't know it's not really 
traditional sculpting. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's a lot less clay work. It's sculpting. It's just not like clay sculpting. It's like but it's, it's weird. Mar- it's like, it's a, like a, marble sculpting or something in a weird way, chiseling right? in a way. But it's, sculptor, with a it's that kind of thing where I, I try to classify it sometimes and I'm doing all the build up work with the putty and I'm rolling it out and I'm building up all these like facial features that are, you know, fill in an inlay, but then I go and grind them down. So it's build up, grind down. Yep. It's that kind of, you know, until you get to the point where you're using uh, wire brushes and sandpaper and files and trying to yeah. sometimes make it smooth, sometimes uh, highlight a texture. Right. But it's, uh, it's definitely its own. I don't know. It's not, it's, I didn't invent masks, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's, it's a, I think it's, you know, you came right, right out, right out the, the the bat. You were right off the bat. You were just kind of, you had this idea that was, I thought was really unique because it's like, you know, it's wearable art. It's like, yeah. and it's not like a rubber monster mask. It's like, and it's, it's like kind of like steampunk, but not, you know, it's, it's right. like the closest thing I could think of that people would say, cause it's like people do that in steampunk. But it's yeah. not it's not steampunk aesthetic. It's like it's more like the way that they will wear pieces of art, that kind of crowd. So it's like it's cool because it's utilitarian, but it's also very artistically, you know, it's it's aesthetic, it's made for the aesthetics and the art of it. And uh super uh you know, very post-apocalyptic, which I always love, of course. You know, one of my favorite yeah, things. Likewise. <laughs> so it's like uh yeah, just great. So when I first saw you doing those, I was like, oh, what a cool idea. You know, this is one you could just keep keep going with. It's I another one of those where I was like, you know, I wish I thought of that. It's a great idea. Hey, for the sake of the video, let me grab two. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, go for it. One that's a, I got an old one and then a newer one. And they're various different styles. And uh, I do try to go for every time I make a piece, I try to make its opposing figure, you know, I try to oh, cool. keep cool. this pantheon of opposites. Going. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Grab them. For those of you listening, I mean, watching for those of you, for those of you listening now, you'll be able to see this when the video version comes out. So this is a an older piece. I've, I've, it's, yeah, that's great. It's so cool. It's actually left over from that cannibal flower days. So cool. It's it so was, amazing. It, wow. It's very much inspired by that uh Japanese, that sort of common rider, Hakater, Power Ranger look. Uh-huh. But I wanted it to have this, I don't know, medieval heavy metal quality. Yeah, to this the head so shape is so perfect. I just yeah, I, I'm love that head shape. Super pleased with that profile. And I just kind of built it up, knocked it down, and added more and grinded it out. It's <laughs> amazing. But uh yeah, let's go put it on here. Yeah, I mean, come on. That is the coolest. Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, they always do that, right? Yeah, and I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. So it's got to so do a cool. thing. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I forgot how cool they were, to be honest. That's amazing. Thanks, wow. Mark. Incredible. Here's that one. And uh, again, this is all epoxy clay, and it's a one-off. I've not made a mold of these. Wow. So That's cool. I don't want to make molds. Yeah, so, no, that makes them want to go to the next piece. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool to. It also makes it more, way more valuable and collectible. Let's you know, see here if I can kick a light on without washing it out. But 
Pardon my lighting choice here. So I can see the kind of textures that I'm throwing in. Yeah. The idea is to always keep it like some of the textures that get into bones, like the rougher spots, and then kind of a coral look as if it was found and then refined yeah, in these kind yeah, of shapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so great. It's like you did you did what what I wanted to do when I got out of the effects, which was like, I want to take my knowledge. When I first started sculpting, it was like, I want to take my knowledge affects knowledge and use it for good instead of evil <laughs> yeah or at least a lot of times i love the effects industry for the a chance to use materials i couldn't afford to experiment oh yeah yeah, yeah. so that's and that's always been great let me grab uh one more it's different it's the it's the latest piece i made cool wow you're getting to see his latest piece ladies and gentlemen <laughs> But it's actually, it's already been at a show. Okay, well, still. still. You don't have to tell, we don't have to tell them that. I mean, it's brand new. Brand new, everybody. Butyl is holding nicely. What? I had some butyl holding it in place so it wouldn't rock off. Oh, wow. Well, That's so cool. Holy shit. It's this... Uh, I think it called it Azuri Devastato, which is supposed to be like the blue devil. That's and, amazing. Uh, we've got all this, this is all armature wire hammered into like a oh. rough metal look. It's wow, just nice that's great. It's really light. And again, <laughs> put it on. And it's, uh, so amazing. Where's the magnets? There we go. So amazing. Let me see. Sorry, I haven't put that one on in a while so cool man yeah this it's, Thanks, man. the sculpting is great though man your lime work like your your uh contours and stuff they're really good it's like Thank. really great sculpture, sculpture work and i know sculpting in epoxy clay is a bitch because i this tried the, it there's been in my living room though and it's that thing where it's like i you, you probably do this too every time you look at something you want to change it oh yeah for sure every piece i've got i want to go oh i'm just gonna change it yeah like, you know, make it, but i i don't I haven't. I don't allow myself to do that. I just move on to the next yeah, one. Yeah, it's it becomes it's it's. I just was talking to my friend Gabe Leonard last night about that. Is like it becomes its own thing, and you yeah. have to let it go and be its own thing. Exactly. You got it's not about being it. perfect. It's about being. This is the piece of art I make. You know, it's not about perfection. It's about being what it is. It's amazing. Thanks, man. And then uh, last one, just because it's here. And it's one I made while I was here. But this is sort of the other direction where it's all refined. Oh, wow. It's so cool. You can see how smooth that is. Yeah, that's amazing. It takes a lot more time. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's just a different kind of... I mean, it's the same kind of proportional <laughs> aesthetics and lines, but now it's got a uh, machine finish. So amazing. So cool. And then, yeah, that's what's great about these is the designs are just killer. Your designs you are always much. killer. And then... I don't have pads in this one yet, but you can see that it comes up as well. Yeah. And that that comes off. That's so cool. So it's got this. Oh my God. It's wanted amazing. it to look like a tactical sort of ballistic, uh, militaristic helmet. But also the configuration or the idea came from looking at an old drag racing photo where it was like the guy sitting behind the engine, the tires are cranked up and he's sitting behind this massive machine that's only built to go as forward, you know, 
They're yeah, fast, yeah. straight ahead without flying apart, and there's smoke coming up from the tower, you know, the tires. Yeah, yeah. This guy's just behind this steer- small steering wheel, and he just had this cool mask on. <laughs> now there's no expression to be read off the guy's face. The the kind of intensity of all that image right. made it really kind of uh kind of aggro looking. And you yeah, can see, yeah. Or you it's... can see where uh, Big Daddy Roth got his like crazy yep. ideas, the speed yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing, amazing work. So, Thanks, well, let, let's get into your your history a bit, and because uh, um, you've you know you've been in this business, the effects business for a long time, and the art world for a long time. So, I mean, how did this? How did all of this start for you as a kid? Like, were you were you a monster kid? I don't even know if we've ever talked about monster stuff. Um, I don't. You know, I was I was a, I was a Star Wars kid. I was okay. born. I'm I'm I was born in seventy two. I'm all, I'll be fifty this year. Okay. And uh, so I was five years old when Star Wars came out. Yeah, I was like ten. So I I I was a Star Wars kid too myself. And yeah, that just it was Star Wars from then on. So I mean, I, I liked a lot of monsters, and then I, I got to know them as I got. A little older like the mm. universal classics and whatnot or uh you, you remember how, how amazing it was to see star wars when it first came out did yeah. you see it when it first came out like, yeah i was five yeah I mean, it was do you remember my... it do you remember going and i remember, I remember like... it was the biggest crowd the most excited crowd i'd ever sat yeah with. my it... dad was excited and uh, he had seen it once and he was he, to make sure it was all right to bring the kids to and mm-hmm. then, uh, but I also remember how crowded it was and the cheers and all that. Yeah, it was so it was lines around the block. It was yeah. everyone was so excited. Yeah. And then, and then you went and saw it and it was just like I remember wanting going wanting to go home after and just blow shit up and film it. <laughs> <laughs> like I was thinking, like, if I could get some Roman candles, I could take my model, you know, my spaceship models <laughs> and right. i just got a super, super eight camera around that time so i was making movies and i was like i actually started making a couple little movies with spaceships blowing up and burning and because i just remember seeing all that stuff you know it was amazing at the time it was like so groundbreaking and cool just blew my mind but so anyway okay you were a star wars kid yeah uh so uh, the cantina scene was my big monster explosion monster right. you know i still love that bit and yeah all the characters in it and obviously it continues to inspire other franchises as well but uh see so i grew up around you know that battlestar galactica but then it starts into the 80s there's you know star wars keeps going but then you have like conan and et and tron and just this so you're like, like more of a sci-fi, sci-fi you're more of a sci-fi kid than a horror kid absolutely definitely yeah. i mean I, I i really liked the thing that one put a spin on my head but that was also very <laughs> much like the the cosmic horror kind of yeah thing. So yeah yeah i've always done i've always liked cosmic horror the uh you know lovecraftian kind of stuff mm-hmm. i love craft works but I, love, then, I, I always love sci-fi also my my stepdad was a big sci-fi guy so it was like always split between we'd go out every friday and see a movie and it was like either a sci-fi or a horror yeah i like i liked both and he was more of a sci-fi i guess it was also the horror at the time was more slasher film stuff yeah right right my my you know obviously as a kid my parents were too keen on it but as i got <laughs> older and got into like fangoria or started to realize that uh that uh, that effects were a thing and a job 
that's where I kind of leaned into mm. that side of it. I guess, yeah, that was it. Movie magazines were kind of the, the spawning of the, the idea of uh, effects as a career. Like you could look in, I, I even bought some a while ago back on eBay, but I sought out the ones that I remember being very impressionable, which were like Gremlins, uh, 2010, uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Aliens. But they, they always had movie magazines that came out at the time. Yeah. You know, there was, of course, there was no internet the way it is now. So the fandom kind of rolled out of these like uh, magazines that came out at the same time, whether they're, they're all Starlog or Cinefantastique mm-hmm. and uh, all they they had mm-hmm. all the inside information. Yeah, especially Cinefix. Cinefix. So well, that was the uh, <laughs> Cinefix was the one that definitely, even when I was younger, it was way more academic or came off. Yeah. Yeah. It was lots of text and a couple of pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Actually came to treasure later, but at the right, beginning, right. I just wanted more stuff. I, I, <laughs> I loved the idea of seeing, uh, you know, Ralph McQuarrie or just anybody's like Sid Mead, all the, all the art that goes into a film. I think that's what captured me more than, than anything else. And uh, I always made models sculpted yeah. i could always paint and draw i went i made models all throughout my early childhood car model hot rods and monster the aurora monster models that was it nice i didn't have the aurora ones i had that i had the godzilla one you know that's like a yeah yeah the dark yeah uh but only some of the pieces are glow in the dark it was really bizarre uh, <laughs> then a crushed city under his feet yeah and then did you have the six million dollar man models do you remember oh those? man six million dollar man was my hero as a little kid i, I had there. the I had the doll. I yeah. had the I had the action figure, and I had the model kits. There was a couple model kits that were like. Oh, I, I still those. watch that trailer, sir, or not the trailer. The opening sequence, I think, is really badass. Uh, as far as music, pacing, it is totally and, it's great uh, effects of the time. When you look at all that stuff, you realize that not, that's all hand drawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty incredible. Yep. Like the the whole bionic arm schematic or the eye and then the grid overlay <laughs> the ro- slow motion running with the ramping up music it's just incredible it's really yeah, good yeah it's all excited by the end of it <laughs> it's so 70s too it's like to me it's like yeah. the peak of the 70s like the good the good side of the 70s was a six million dollar man I- intro uh so where did you grow up uh sacramento california oh okay and then uh santa rosa so oh, wow. like I grew up, my parents split up. They stayed in Sacramento for a while, but then my mom and stepdad went to Santa Rosa. My dad stayed in Sacramento. So I was going back and forth between Santa Rosa and how far? How far are those from each other? Two hours. They, they'd meet okay. each other halfway, like every two weeks. Oh, wow. Kind of, I would stay with my dad on a, uh, and my brother. And, my, and we would stay with our dad every other weekend. Mm. The weekend was that kind of split. Yeah. And then... Uh, a lot of this stuff, my dad was, uh, he was a deputy sheriff, but he was a huge sci-fi fan. Oh, wow. Constantly read all the time. Uh, I grew up with, and I've still got him. He passed away uh, years ago, but I have the three books I remember being just amazed by. And they were Boris Vallejo and Frank Frazetta books. Yeah, my dad all too. All the covers. Yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> I grew up with those and he got into Dungeons and Dragons when I was about 10. Then that was just like an imagination explosion. Right. So I would say from Star Wars, the other thing that was the most influential was D&D and any of the role-playing games he was into. But he got into Battletech and Shadowrun and all these things. So it was a voracious 
sci-fi enthusiasts. I mean, we even did SCA stuff. If you know, do you know what that is? No, what's SCA stuff? So you know the Ren Ren Fair sort of thing where it's like oh yeah 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 up. now now it's like cosplay athletes, but it's uh, right right that was yeah. the Society for Creative Anachronism, and they would all dress up in armor that they made. It's funny. I never thought about this. this is so influential. Because yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. It's like that's it's what I make so, is yes. armor. But <laughs> these guys would show up, and they were mostly college age guys, which when I was little still seemed like big grownups. Right. Yeah. But uh, they would have their rattan and duct tape swords and shields and beat the crap out of each other at some park next to some playground equipment. You know? <laughs> but as a kid, I'd never. It didn't seem strange to me because my dad was uh, right. practicing with them. And uh, he that's was the early days of that too, man. That's yeah. like before it was now it's kind of a thing that people do. It's like, yeah, nobody was doing that shit back then. No, it was really oddball shit back yeah. then. It was kind of, it was, and, and he had a lot of oddball friends, yeah. even though he was a, a, a deputy sheriff. He had all kinds of crazy friends. <laughs> and uh, we went to, we used to camp at some of these events, but I also, I remember going and like, I, I, the guys would always, have their armor, put it on, take it off, like your, your sports gear. And I'd go check it out and ask if I could check it out. And I'd see, and you'd see these guys made their stuff. There's welds and they're hammering metal to get their shapes. And then you're looking at pads and linkage and all that stuff on the inside. And it was all about how it wore and they could fight in it. So right. actually, yeah, that was really influential. Yeah. It's like that <laughs> stuff. That's, that's primarily like my bag is, uh, or one of the things I'm really good at is, armor uh right. and, and making armor fit and work most of the time pieces aren't so much sculpted traditionally anymore especially this you know whether it's pacific rim or the marvel movies it's about taking the 3d assets right it's mostly 3d modeled now mm -hmm. and then you take those but you still have to take all those pieces and make them wear well yeah so yeah you can perform on them and then the stuntmen have to put it through their paces yeah there's a lot of i imagine it's funny because when i by the time when I right around close to when I left the industry, we started uh, using 3D printing yeah. occasionally. Like I did that. Like, remember the, the, the cathedral head from Hellboy? Yes, uh, that was I, I made a 3D model of that. And we had Gen General Giant did like a resin 3D print yeah. of it. And um, it was like all revolutionary. To yeah, exactly. You know? and, and now it's like, that's how the sculpting's done for, especially for robots and, and armor yeah, and they, stuff. They still fuck it up though. As far as like getting that first one scaled, right? There's all Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the first the one we got was all like, it was all bent. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. like melted and bent. And then we, I think we got a second one that was, that was right, you know, cause it was like new technology at the time. Yeah, printers are really good now. A lot of times the early stuff, more than now, there's definitely a quality that's been adopted that so, to have something that's of substance. And by that, I mean, it's not going to distort once it loses support material. Right, right. The resins are pretty well figured out. I've got some pretty good examples here that uh, somebody's done for me. So they, I mean, everything requires though, molding again, and then casting oh, yeah. and then sanding and stuff and adjusting. So it needs that human touch to actually work as a, costume right it does it's very easy i find a lot of times it's where i get i'm just getting back into the idea of i, I gotta go digital it's just a tool i can't ignore anymore right, right. i can probably now with as accessible as it is 
I feel like I can make it work the way I want to do it mm -hmm. rather than have to having how to learn to code too much or, you know, right. I feel like you know, ZBrush is what I'm learning now. And I, I feel like, oh, I got it. I yeah, got I got that step. I'm going to start a, a class, another class with David. I go, I'm going to take his class. Oh, uh, cool. Uh, studio mm -hmm. arts. And uh, that's one that gets supplemented through the effects industries can sign you up. And it's like an education extension. Really? Yeah. Damn, so the times have changed. Really yeah, man. Good. So this works and out. <laughs> getting getting you in on the educational classes. That's insane. Yeah. I, would, I would have never dreamed of that. It makes sense, though. So Okay, so what? <laughs> Go for the scratch. I know. That's good. For those of you who can't that's a, that's, see it. <laughs> that's that's good. These pulled long, out to, it looks like a paintbrush to go long handle brushes are great for back <laughs> scratches <laughs> so uh okay but how did you like uh how did you get in the industry in the first place so i was in i was in northern california and i i was living in santa rosa which was very close to a marin right and mm -hmm. uh there was all these things about uh lucas ranch right or skywalker ranch right. lucas valley road george lucas lives up here george lucas is from here industrial light and magic was something i started to hear about and pay attention to with with all the uh behind the scene articles and then i realized they were in marin and then it got to the point where i was like mom can we go to i'd find out about these things just through uh local newspapers that uh, that marin county would host these industrial light and magic um making of like i went to ghostbusters 2 and willow and all these kind of first run ilm movies mm -hmm. or industrial light magic's ilm and they were the they were the juggernaut special effects company and i happened to live an hour away from them so i became obsessed with getting into that was that was going to be my thing i was going to go right. work at ilm Makes and i'd sense. write them letters and they'd correspond back and it was it was always that kind of like that. Oh, we're not actually looking for people at this time. We don't give tours. Right. So then, uh, but they would do those things and you'd get, you'd get the movie that they worked on. You you'd watch it. And then there was like a, a how they made it and a question and answer time after. Wow. Perfect for you. Yeah, it was great. And I actually, I've met a lot of people that were there. I used to make kind of Muppety. I made a really kind of Muppety looking costume. It was that sort of costume gag. And this was for a Renaissance fair. We used to go to that a lot, along with, mm -hmm. again, with my dad and his, his thing with the SCA. So uh, we would go there. And I made a costume that had that. It was the illusion where you're riding an animal. But it's like your lower legs are its legs. And then you've got false legs draped over the top of it. And you I made, you made one of those? Yeah. But it was, it's really, I look at it now, it's horrible, but it was, it was, <laughs> as, it was as effects driven as I had gotten at the time. I'd used a Roma plastilina clay to make this sort of, this kind of, I don't know how to describe what he looked like. It was kind of a camel dinosaur with tusks mm -hmm. and kind of a silly face. And then I only sculpted the front part and I, I sculpted it upright and I made a plaster way too thin plaster mold <laughs> picked all the clay out managed to save the mold got a few poles out of it and i made it for a friend and i and it was chicken wire neck with foam wrapped around and i wrapped the foam and then i had fake fur on the top where i couldn't wrap the you know where the seam was i remember those days man yeah those are like the funnest days when you were just making shit like that and figuring it, was it great. out i felt so like it, i felt like a million bucks and i got compliments the whole time right. so it, was, it was that kind of thing where 
and I still like to do costume sort of events like Wasteland Weekend and and these kind of things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll, it's it's always fun to to spend the time on a costume and then go wear it out to where you anticipated wearing and getting it well received. Yeah, yeah. But I met a uh, I met a guy who somebody said, oh, I know somebody who works there. His name's it was Howie Weed, and I think he still works there. Hmm. But uh, he he gave me advice and, you know, just talked, you know, oh, that's neat. That's cool. He talked to me a little bit about his jobs and they were I think they were working on the latest movie was, that was going to be coming out was the it was James Cameron, The Abyss. I think they were doing tests for it. Wow. You'd talk about CGI and it, that was still all a magical small niche at that time. Right. I really didn't have interest in CGI. Yeah. I liked the monsters the behind the scenes, the Phil Tippett's. Yeah, kind of stuff. That that guy was always one of my heroes. Did you ever meet him? I met him at one of those or at a uh, Jurassic Park thing in Mill Valley. That was one of those films. And he was always kind of that kind. Of, I'm sure he's, you know, you're around those people all the time at work or where we work at studios. They're very charismatic once they're in their group, mm-hmm. right? Once you are you're within the island of misfit toys, you can be yourself, right? And, uh, you know, it's where everybody there is. Kind of, so I I met him outside of that. And, uh, you know, I and everybody's wanting to talk to him. So he seemed a little not totally reclusive, but not very energetic about it. His answers were, were kind and brief, but I don't think that's his jam. I don't right. think that like, you know, answering everybody's questions about every little step is is where he. <laughs> I want to get him on the podcast so bad, but I don't have the nerve to ask him. I, I haven't seen Mod get or Mad God yet, but I've I just seen to. clips. It looks amazing. Yeah. And I've seen an interview with him and he seems so cool. It's like talking Dude, about his vice article interview. Yeah. Or, is that the one where he talks about tripping on acid? Yeah, he's just going, it opens up like <laughs> I was on acid. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> he seems like my kind of guy for sure. Okay, yeah. so so um how did that oh so continue, I up, continue? I I uh I continued to be interested in that. I was a horrible student though. Oh, I was well. I I got shit grades, I always drew in the margins, I never did my homework. <laughs> I I hated school, even in art class. I got uh doesn't stick to the curriculum. Like I would draw I would always draw monsters and stuff, and that was <laughs> not the curriculum in art class. I always get a good enough grade right. to be in the advanced art classes or whatever special thing was going on. But I def- definitely was not the teacher's favorite because I was always going to make a, you know, a, a guy fighting a dragon or a monster <laughs> or an alien or robots uh, and not just the bowl of fruit. Right. Right. <laughs> That's, that is a talent that I've come to accept that, that I, that take, that looks like fruit. Good job. It's a, uh, it's, it's valid. It's just, it it's not, is, and my point I always make is it's, it's valid. It's just so are monsters. They're just as Absolutely. valid. It's not that one. It's not like fruit. The bowl of fruit is better or worse. It's just it's it's its own thing. It's great, but so are like creatures and stuff. It should mm-hmm. be regarded as on the same level. That's my only issue with fruit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. So I and I went to local junior college in Santa Rosa. They had a a makeup program. I was, a, I was a communications major. I was going for, I was, I was staying in school as long as I had to essentially. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get a job at, at an effects company or with ILM. Right. So I was in the communications classes and the theater classes. And I liked theater craft because you were, were always building stuff. And they had a really good, uh, 
theater program at the, it's the Santa Rosa Junior College or the SRJC. And they have a, a really good summer repertory class that I, that the teacher, I was taking a, a class and I cut school a lot still, <laughs> and even though I was paying for it, right? It was my per- permanent, permanent record. <laughs> we mean it. I'm still like, ah, I don't want to go. And then uh, I went and he saw a drawing I did. Of, it, was the, it was a day where it's stage design and you have to draw what's in front of you. So it's like, it's, it's drawing the room around you. And it's kind of like, did a horizon line, this, and I kind of did it almost like, uh, what'd you call it? Where it's, it's the uh, fisheye lens almost. Mm-hmm. Everything close to me was bigger and everything. And it put perspective and shading and a little bit of diffusion and popped out things of key interest. And uh, he, he, was, he walked by, his name was Frank. He was really cool, but he walked by, he goes, you son of a bitch. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, was, you cut my class. You can draw. He goes, if you want a good grade, you're going to have to make it up or I'm not going to pass you. And you have, to, <laughs> you have to show up. And I had to show up to be part of the summer repertory. They called it the Rambo crew. And it's just, you had to show up from like 6 a.m. to eight o'clock. And you just, you unloaded all the things to get and built a stage to get their summer theater thing going. Huh. And uh, that was really fun. Yeah. But it's like, also he made me do that. <laughs> was, he didn't let me get away with it where everybody else was kind of like, oh, well, failure. And I, I just didn't give a shit. I hate it. That's probably, yeah, that probably was helpful though. Yeah, Learn, well, that got build. me into a, a prosthetics makeup thing. They had a prosthetics thing. So I skipped the basic makeup and went to prosthetics. Oh, cool. And then there was a guy who was, who was uh, oh, I called, I called Chris Wallace Inc. I was like, who's that? And he said, it's the guy that did the fly and gremlins and all this. And this guy, he knew everything in the class, but it, he, his art sucked. And I, I, I would skip his name and everything. It would, <laughs> it was hard, it's harsh to say, but it was one of those things where there's the people that sort of collect the info, but don't have the talent. Right. But to have the desire, but not the, not enough structure to get in, right. not enough uh, ability, but he gave me the phone number and I called and I uh, called CWI and got into the idea of tracking down who he was or Chris Wallace. And then uh, I told him what I did and uh, got their number. And then I uh, or got a contact there. And then I worked on it. There was a movie that came to town to shoot. It was this horrible medieval movie. It's actually on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Wow. And it's called The Quest of the Delta Knights. But it was a medieval movie that they shot. And they actually shot at the local Renaissance Fair and all these other areas in Sonoma County, that really woods looking area. David Warner's in it. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was, was that their one star? Yeah, but he's got a double part. It's, it's, it's really weird. But... Uh, <laughs> And I was so uncouth, but I, I, I met, I, I worked, I did a lot of stuff on that as a PA, right? And I bounced around between makeup and sets. And, and I was also working in a movie theater at the time mm-hmm. and I got it set up. So it was a super low budget thing, but I got it set up so that they could watch their dailies at the movie theater I worked at. Cause we were all like, Oh, there's a movie in town. That's amazing. And uh, I loved it. It was really fun. And it was like the circus came to town and I got to work backstage right and uh that show left and then i felt i totally had that drive like i want to work on movies this is great i want to work on movies it seemed amazing everything about it was fun and exciting Mm -hmm. and uh i was hooked so i called that i called cwi again and told them that i was i just finished working on a movie and they're like well uh, come on in bring some of your stuff and we'll check you out 
And I just brought a bunch of stuff I had made. It was kit bash monsters and friendly plastic articulated skulls and hmm. whatever material I could play with at the time. And drawings. It was really rudimentary stuff. And I think I was 20. And they they said they were they they were looking at it. And you could see that they they had that sort of the way you think back on your own work. They they were kind of holding up, check it out, though. It's kind of cool. Or right. like, well, we, got, we made it out of this. It was like, who, who would do that? You know, that's it. it they, and they were giving me tips on what I was doing. And then they they I left and they they called and said, Hey, we got a project coming up. And uh we could use you. You could start and you'd be an apprentice and we'll start you off. And they were like, what's your rate? And I was just like, uh, <laughs> I had no idea what's the answer. And I was just kind of like, it's, it's gotta be more than minimum wage. And he was like, how about I give you $8 an hour? Like, That's great. <laughs> and I was like, it, was, it was 1992. So right. that was, that was good enough. Right. Yeah, I was, I, I, so I worked, I worked there for nine months on a dinosaur amusement park. Uh, thing called Dino Alive, which went to Osaka, Japan. Oh wow! Uh, I didn't go to Osaka. There, I think only about five people got to, just to kind of finish the big setup. But mm -hmm. uh, it was big, and that I worked with a lot of the people I'd read about in this industrial light magic book I had, and through different uh, articles. And it was just, it was an amazing time just to kind of learn all this stuff. Yeah, always the those are the the best times I think of. For me, anyway, that was probably the best time in effects was like the beginning for me. Yeah. It was just so exciting, so much fun. And oh my God, it was like died and went to heaven. I get to work on all this cool shit and you never, you never, you know, getting paid for it. Yeah. It's amazing. I see like, I see like a lot of money then too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> all I'd ever had was, you know, restaurant and tips and movie theater jobs. Right. So uh that the, at the end they were like so what are you gonna do next and i was like what do you mean and then it's like well this job's ending it's like <laughs> so i had no idea how the freelance <laughs> side worked i thought i was in so suddenly it was scary again they were what are you gonna do next and I'm like, i don't know maybe i'll go back to school now like, you hate school and i was like i know they're all, what would you go to school to do anyway i guess i'd want to do this what are you doing now you know you got a pretty you got you're gonna probably have to move to la and they'd all say you'd have to move to la and this is in Northern California. Nobody right. in Northern California wants to move to LA. Right. You just don't. But it's a small market up there. And it's, if you're up there as a special effects artist, you do everything. You, uh, you're not just a model maker, creature guy. You're whatever job. Right. Build sets, specialty props, set pieces. Yeah. I'm surprised there was any that, you know, there was any kind of effects scene in Northern California. It seems so, I don't know how. Chris Wallace and uh well, it was Colossal Pictures, ILM, Skellingtons. I had an interview there, but it didn't happen. And after that is when I came down. What's Skellington? Oh, uh, it was uh they did I I didn't I was almost on James and the Giant Peach, but they did uh Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, okay. And uh it was that that whole outfit. And they were doing a lot of stuff for liquid television at the mm. time. Okay. And uh it was it was interesting, but it was also Phil Tippett's crew, not Phil Tippett's crew, but all the stop motion animation guys. Um, Tom Sainamon, John Berg, all these guys. That I used to, you know, I was never a sports fan and I never got into baseball cards and, and stats of a sports player. 
but I knew all my ILM film guys and I knew <laughs> yeah. guys and Apogee before that was gone. And then it got into the monster effects stuff. I knew all that, that crap back then. Yeah. So <laughs> I know I, I did too. We were major nerds. Nerd yeah. alert. Yeah. So Love I it. got into, I, I moved, uh, I came down to LA and I, I interviewed at a whole bunch of places and I ended up getting a job at, a model shop because I had more models in my portfolio from hmm. working at a, a couple different places. It wasn't just CWI. I worked at Matt World Digital and Midland Productions, which was like a uh, they. It was it was like Star Tours sort of rides, hmm. that kind of what do you call motion based simulation rides. Right. Did a lot of those, and that was like yeah, I I was making thirteen dollars an hour there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. But you did everything there. Um, but it was also very obvious when I came down here that whatever you have more of, there's a niche here that occupies that as an occupation. Right. So because I had more model work, I, I went and I worked at a model place. Or a place how did you, how, where did you live? What, what, what was the, how did, how did you. I, I worked with this? a guy named uh, Bill Weger at Chris, at Chris Wales's. And then when he had come down here and started working at Steve Johnson's on Species Two, mm. and he was he was a sculptor. And then I I crashed at his place for like a, a week, and then uh, I, while I was there, I, I had set up interviews and I interviewed all over. I, met, I interviewed at Rick's, Steve's, or that's uh, Rick Baker's, Steve Johnson's. I think I interviewed at Optic Nerve, Amalgamated Dynamics, or a few others. But, uh, and then Grant McEwen designs just on the fly. Oh, it's Dan Winston's. I interviewed with, uh, John Rosengrant and he's, he was also like, you got a lot of model work. There's guys down the street that do models. Let me give him a call. Oh. And he called and, uh, set up an interview for me. That's cool. Yeah. It was really nice of him. Yeah. And, uh, I went in there and they're all great. When can you start? I was like, ah, oh, I gotta, I gotta move now. <laughs> All right. And then they just, they just, I worked there for a few months. And then from there, I got uh, referred to work at Digital Domain. And I worked there. Oh, I didn't know you worked there. Yeah. And I was doing all the model stuff for a while, even as Digital Domain was like not wanting to claim they had a model shop or rely on the model shop. I, I came in on, uh, you know, a commercial, I think a Peugeot commercial, then a uh, Chain Reaction, which was a Keanu Reeves, Morgan Freeman movie. And then um, it went into Fifth Element and Dante's Peak and Titanic. And that was my digital domain career. But wow. from there, I went to Imagine. You worked on all those movies? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Fifth Actually Element had a, piece, lot of, had a bunch of cool stuff in it. I have a piece of the ship from, uh, what was it? It's called the uh, ZFX Fighter. Zorg flies it at one point. It's just, mm -hmm big fuel silage looking thing for I, lo I love that movie that was fun to work on but it was also really weird to watch because we had no idea it was going to be so wacky right <laughs> thought it was going to be like blade runner but looked like dick tracy right and it was it was really strange it grew on me with the repeat viewings but at first i did not like it, it yeah too, there's too there's bombastic it's hard to tell how a movie's gonna i've worked on movies where i worked on this movie the the dark backwards have you ever seen the dark backwards it's like a weird little indie film it's it's like a kind of a cult film now and i remember being on set and just like 
think it was like super weird humor. And I just remember them shooting a scene and just thinking it was the fucking funniest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I was trying not to laugh. And I was like, this movie's going to be amazing. It's going to be so good. And then I remember seeing it. It's just like, it did not translate at all. It was not funny. Uh, <laughs> it was not, I just, you know, that's how I felt anyway. It just was like, this isn't funny. I remember laughing my ass off at the same scene. Why is it not funny in here? It's a, but, it's always very strange to, to be part of something while it's being made and get an idea of what you think the flavor of it's going right. to be. Right. You have no result. idea. You have no <laughs> idea. At, at our participation levels in these films were really just accommodating the look of a character or right, right. you know augmenting the visual style of a scene we don't really get that you know we don't need to know the motivation of the of the story or we very rarely ever get right. a script right so it's it's always kind of and also one thing that's always cracked me up about movies is a movie's two hours right maybe mm -hmm. it's a series and it's 10 but we'll spend weeks and months on it and you sort of ponder the thing in front of you and wonder and you build up these stories often while working on them that are so much more dynamic than what you end up seeing yeah. <laughs> or they're so much more well thought out i felt the most about this recently or not recently it's been a while but pacific rim mm -hmm. i was like okay giant robots fighting monsters for real though all right and i was all into the idea of like I wanted to see these things because they were presented as soldiers, right? Right. So I was going to, I wanted to see, like, you know, the way you see footage of Navy SEALs, like it's all sitting on a Zodiac, you know, the inflatable raft and they just roll off backwards. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see an aircraft carrier with these giant mechs on them squatted so they weren't tipping, you know, keeping all that kind of concentration to ride this giant craft and then just kind of like, you would dump off the side of it. So you had this massive mess uh, so cool. water <laughs> splash, you know, or, or ride these things like surfboards almost if they right. could hide your foil up. And we kept, and then, and then when the trailer finally came out and it was uh, like tiny little helicopters, flo you know, floating this building of, mm -hmm. a, of a robot, it was just ridiculous. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> i love guillermo's stuff and he really goes for it for style but it was one of those things where i just wanted to if you created a giant robot why couldn't you have your own sort of nasa tower launch jetpack where it takes off from anywhere instead of walking from the ocean uh to go fight in the pacific right, they right. from alaska or something not to nerd out on Pacific Rim, but I was very, <laughs> I was very tactically let down by Pacific Rim's under, understanding of geography. Now, everybody, you know what it's like to work in effects right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's it stuff you love and you nerd out on and you work on it. And you nerd out on the possibility of the thing and it, it doesn't always measure up. <laughs> to your nerd expectations. Yeah, to your nerdy <laughs> expectations. It's like at the end of it, it's like, uh, it was giant robots fighting monsters. <laughs> what did you really think you were going to get? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and it succeeded in that. Yeah, yeah, it was a good robot fighting monsters movie, I thought. So, uh, where did you? What did? What did you move on to that? After? Oh, let's see. It got into where models were definitely getting their asses kicked by digital technology, right? So it's it all started to go that way. Uh, I went to work at it. And I also, a lot of my, it, it's not, it's never been a career path so much as there's been things that I've wanted to do or try to hone skills towards, 
but I've really just kind of answered the phone and, and did the job of the call that, that, that came in if I was available. Mm-hmm. So jobs have always led to more jobs. So it's, yep. it's, it, a lot of it was a direction I wanted to go, but I can't really say it was a path I chose. It's that, it's that right. my interests were such that I was open to doing this. And I believed that I could, and I showed that I could, and I'd take that job and then those would lead to other places. But I went from uh, amusement, so I went amusement park stuff, movie models, then back to amusement park, but it was Imagineering at Disney and we were sculpting in giant block foam. I actually got laid off from that job, which was, I was totally fine with because it was Disney, it was the mouse. And it was that thing where it was like, I wasn't really larger than my own name on my name tag. It said no store discount. Are you serious? Yeah. I wish I still had, oh, I had to give it back, but it was very Dr. Seuss. And then there was green badges and blue badges. And if you were a green badge, you were a contractor. And if you were a blue badge, you were an employee. So the employees got store discounts and the contractors did not. It sucked. It was that kind of that they fostered that kind of mentality. It's so insulting. It's so demeaning. It's just demeaning, it you know, it makes you feel like shit. Well, I, uh, I, I sculpted foam there and foam when you're sculpting foam, it's giant condensed. It's not necessarily styrofoam. I think it's called trimer foam. And, uh, the best example I can give is like that floral block foam, right? Yeah. I love, I, I love know. sculpting and that stuff. It's so, Me so too, cool. it's, unless you get it. You oh, it's terrible. Terrible. It it's like, it's, it's, well, it's it feels like dust and sand, but it's super light and granular. And it, it gets, gets oh my god, night. it gets in your eyes. It's a nightmare. But it's like I did a side job in my my little tiny place for a robot thing, and it's still there. I still and I bought twice as much. You know, you, you have to buy giant giant pieces to do the work. It just feels so good to sculpt in, but it's a oh, nightmare. It's great. It's, it's a, a nightmare. Great medium. If you're yeah. set up for it, you can walk away clean and you pretty much have to get undressed to disappear. Yeah. Uh, to do it right. But I, I track it everywhere. It's terrible. It's like fiberglass, you know, it works so well, but it's so stinky. Yeah. And terrible. And chopped glass fibers floating in the air. It's just a nightmare, but it's like, it works great, you know? So, yeah, let's see, I did that, but using that foam got me into doing creature effects. Mm. I, I heard that KMB was looking for foam sculptors and a guy reached out and I went to go, and that was in 90, 99, I think. And I went, I, I worked at KMB effects, which I, I just started back at this week. So I've continued to work with them over the years, which has been fun. I think I'm in there like, it's the third time I've been in a shop of theirs at a different location. They're a oh, company wow. that's been around for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And they were, I mean, back then, they, I knew them for, uh, they've done a lot of horror movies, but uh, I knew them for Army of Darkness, which I loved. Yeah, that was, great. That, was that was a movie that I, I didn't, I don't think I worked on it. But I was it was in in Alterian Studios at yeah. the time, and I was working on maybe something else. Like I don't remember what it was. It was some other project, maybe Swamp Thing or something. And that w- that was a movie where it came out, and I was like, I hated it because I was oh, like really? a huge fan. Yeah, I was a huge fan of the <laughs> Evil Dead movies. Evil Dead fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The the old the first one. You know, like <laughs> I remember getting Fangoria and seeing you know when it came out in the theaters and going to the theater and just being like this is amazing and um 
and now I fucking love it. It's like the best movie. It's so great. I, it's like, yeah. it's weird. It took me like a few years. I didn't watch it. And I thought I hate, I was so disappointed. And then I just randomly watched it years later. And I was like, what was I thinking? This is amazing. Yeah, this, this is it's, so it's great. Brilliant cheese. It's yeah. So and it's so great. Like, it's so great. It's out loud cheesy. Yeah. But it's like, it, it's got the, it's got such good timing. It's like brilliant. You, they're going to really reach brilliant. over to the, they knock that like witch demon down and you can see her eye. And she, they're going over to get it. And he goes, wait, get an ax or something yeah. like that. <laughs> like that it, it jumps up, but it's so good at calling out like jump scare moments or interrupting. Right. <laughs> it's really funny. It's excellent. I love it now. It's funny. Uh, so let's see. So that KMB and that started me off in, I was at foam. I went from uh, foam sculpting to suddenly they needed foam fabricators. And they were like, foam, foam. Hey, you do foam. There's more work for you. And I, I didn't know what I was doing really with foam fabrication, except we had done stuff for that uh, CWI. Oh, so that. this is like the soft, soft foam kind of. Yeah, it goes through, you know, they, they saw it as foams, foam, but it was from <laughs> sculpting foam to mattress foam. Essentially. Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot way. of these undersuits. Very <laughs> different. Very yeah. different. But then I, I just ended up being there for a while. Uh, I worked on, uh, let's see mad 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 world remake little nikki there was a uh, mad 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 world remake yeah oh it's called rat race oh okay uh, whoopi goldberg's in it oh i didn't john lovitz is in it it's huh. not really good yeah but it was uh i think it's a zucker brothers attempt hmm. at it. and then uh the coolest one i think i worked on was ghosts of mars which was the john carpenter thing but all the designs were done by brahm brahm yeah yeah so and i was nerding out on brahm uh there you should listen to the brahm episode of the podcast oh i'll totally do it's funny it's really he's so cool he's really great great and i see him at at chris's every now and then or at the uh and i'm like hey what's up brahm you know i still feel like a little (laughs) little kid (laughs) he's so like just one of us though he's such a cool guy so nice and he's amazing i was so so i nerded out you know getting to interview him and he was just like, just another artist in the studio. And we're just bullshitting about having art careers. It was so cool. Yeah. So, so down to earth and unpretentious and cool. And he was just great. I bumped into him at a Comic-Con. I went with my uh, my ex-wife, it was Lola, and I were, went there. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, it's Brom. She's like, who? She didn't know any of this stuff. And then, right. uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's Brian. I, it was the first time she saw me like totally be a... T- uh, uh, geek about uh, something and go nerd out on somebody and i got a i got a print somewhere that he he did it's the soul forge piece mm-hmm. and uh he signed it and everything and then we talked we talked ghost of mars and then i asked him about uh there's a movie called beowulf where they just totally rip his designs and uh it's a christopher lambert movie mm. but he was like yeah they just totally stole it i don't know you know they didn't even credit anything so yeah, it was, it was he's, he's, to talk to him about hollywood and, he gets uh, ripped off a lot or he has gotten ripped off for a lot. sure and continues to i mean yeah. he, i think there's a whole he definitely changed the the paradigm of a post-apocalyptic flavor right but it was everything from post-apocalyptic to steampunk yeah but uh i went to a spectrum event i got uh oh yeah i got pieces in let's see let me get to something first but i met brahm he was really cool and i keep <laughs> bumping into brahm at stages of whatever i'm doing i always figure it's a good marker to be in the same room but, yeah uh, 
I, I guess I got to the point when I was doing all this stuff and I was getting more special effects jobs, I was doing less of my own work. I was learning all this stuff, but I wasn't applying it. And it felt almost not silly, but kind of lame or cheap or wannabe to kind of create your own art pieces while you're working on these movies. Mm-hmm. Like nobody gave a shit about my own stuff. I was doing stuff for these big movies. And I was kind of sort of like emotionally attaching to my, myself that the work that I had done for these projects but then you can't really, you don't even get a credit half the time. Yeah. That's, that's what drives one of the things that drives you insane in the business is when, you know, I always say we, we just pour our heart and soul into it. We care so much about how the work comes out and then you end up not getting credit or the movie just is terrible. And, and uh, yeah, it's really kills you. Yeah. yeah. Also the success or the, uh, the success of it, if it's got success, it doesn't mean it's your success. Right. What did you do on it? No, right. no, no, and then they just they just niche down everything that you did to the point where it's like you might as well not have even <laughs> had a part to do or any of its success. Like, how dare you even bring up the name? But uh, there, it got between that and then, like a good job. You did a good job at a shop. Great job. Job's over. Well, we're out of work. Later, yep. and you're done. You're laid off. No matter yep. how good and how many late hours and nights you put in, you know the good job done. It just means you're out of work. Yeah. If they have work, they can keep you. If not, you know, you're always tagging on. What are you working on? There's always that thing where two effects guys show up at a party. It's like the first thing it goes, what are you working on? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they, you know, but it's out of that, like hoping that they're comparable in their career somehow, but still trying to figure out who who's the next job. Right. And there's always that. And it just felt it feels kind of sad, but it was that it was that thing where that's kind of your life. And I, 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 I came into this from really loving it. So I started again, it's like one of those stages and I find I have to do this a lot, but I had to give myself permission to be an artist. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's seen as well. You're a fucking artist. I don't have time for you and your vision. Right. But right. it's like, <laughs> that is what got me into this. Right. So I had to allow myself to get past that voice I would hear and go ahead and do it, go ahead and try and experiment my own thing. And that's what I, that's when I started to make those masks, the first ones. Right. And then I think you saw like the second or third batch that started to refine my process. I started to get into goggles and uh, extra bits and magnets and keeping yeah. them all together, realizing that by finishing a stage and getting it solidified, that as long as I didn't have like mold making, if you don't have any locks and keys, you can kind of continue to build or expand on the piece you have mm-hmm. and then it wasn't enough just to do that i had to get them to articulate and lock into place which forced me to experiment with uh like arms that come off of goggles have to be a certain depth to be able to come out and right up. so i yeah. had to take masks further back there's a lot of engineering involved i'm sure yeah. so it was experimentation and engineering and i was enjoying it and it really made the work the effects work turn back into a job I could do and not feel like there was anything that I was uh, not a part of. It didn't matter. It became a job. So whether it was good or bad, I had my contribution to it and it was my, my work, but the stuff I was more passionate about was the good, the art I was doing at home. Yeah. It keeps you I mean, sane. I think yeah, it, it does helps keep you sane in that environment. I try to encourage everybody to, to keep doing that. Even like your nine to five, thing that's your job and they pay you right you're Mm -hmm. paid in a wage and that wage doesn't always come with uh 
like a completion of the task of kind of accommodating acknowledgements, right? Right. So it's important to, it was very important for me, but I, I, I always try to express it. I think it's important for most people to have something that they can do that they can call their own. Yeah. Because everything we do in the effects world, it's, it's like, it's a list of people that goes by those credits. And then all the people that didn't get credited. Right. But it, every one of them are contributing to something and no one person could have done it all. No. But it's like, there's higher people up the tier that, you know, whether the, the key artist or whatever, it's all that, that, the tribalism of the effects world, right? Yeah, the yeah. Tears of the effects world. So <laughs> it gets brutal. And it's like the long, the more I'm in it, the more I get more influence. And, you know, it's that you get, you, you've participated so long that you're uh, listened to. So <laughs> Yeah. And then eventually you kind of, it's funny because once you, you, you get to the top, you become the guy that's just kind of directing other people to do things and you don't get to do as much hands-on stuff. Yeah. And there, and, and it's more like you're just like, like a guy like Rick, you know, it's like, he, I, I'm, I'm sure he, he just wasn't able to, you know, he can't sculpt a bunch of uh, gorillas for planet of the apes. He can't sculpt everything. It's like, and, and it's, and so, and I'm sure it was frustrating for him to not be able to like, having to go to these meetings and shit. It's like, nobody yeah, gets an effects to go to meetings. Oh. And it's like, when you own a shop and you're running things, it's like, that's kind of what you have to do, which is yeah. why I never started a shop. You know, I thought about it for a while and I thought, I don't want to go to meetings. It's like, I'll just do less of what I actually like doing. If I, if I uh, do that. So it um, is a tough balance too, because those meetings, it's like, Oh, it's a meeting. But it's really like you're in a meeting with people that do not get what you do. Yeah, <laughs> they don't understand the the levels of, uh, you know, they, it's like it's that classic thing with sculpting. And if you're sculpting in an effect shop and the producers roll through and you're talking about a face prosthetic or something that's going to be a puppet or even armor, one of them will always say, "Is it going to be that color?" You know, I thought we, agreed, <laughs> but they're looking at the clay. I mean, it's like they don't understand, but they have that that sort of I'm in charge. I'm telling you what to do, and you're not listening. But they don't understand the process enough. But they'll still get vocal <laughs> and shitty about the fact that it's not the color that they picked. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's for people, clay, man. For people, for people who are listening, that's one of the many running jokes that affects artists have is that. Uh, but it's real yeah and it's real say <laughs> it's you know, cliche yeah it's <laughs> cliche because it's but it happens all the time it's like the producer saying is it going to be that color when it's this green clay that we're working on or i bet you have weird dreams at night and or yeah. i bet you have fun at halloween, halloween. So it's like, yeah so we just we would constantly you know that would happen all the time like you know monthly or weekly and yeah. when people would come by and say that and everyone Every time someone says you must have fun at Halloween, we just kind of look at each other and kind of snicker. It's like, yep. Yep. And then it's like everybody is kind of like quietly like trying not to. Sometimes you look at them like, did you really just fucking say that? Because we were just talking about just that's just what the last guy said. Or I wouldn't want to have your nightmares. Yeah. It's like, Asshole, my nightmares are about not wearing pants at the store or, you know, it's like, it's, it's dumb shit. And I, I don't have nightmares with monsters in it. Those, right. those, I have those dreams periodically, but they're like epic being part of a vision quest thing. Should Would I you have... ever dream about, this is something I've, I've, I've heard that other artists, and 
this came around secondhand that Steve Wang was actually talking this, but uh, that you ever have that dream where it's like you're watching a movie trailer and it's so good and it's really cool and super inspiring. And then, you know, it takes you a while after you wake up to realize I made that. <laughs> that was all right. my vision. Yeah. And I'm not being a plagiarist by stealing what I had in my dream or right. those kind of mental connections to your own work or uh, that a happens great, a lot. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. It's funny when I, whenever I have nightmares or scary dreams, it's like sometimes I'll have zombie dreams, but the zombies don't look like zombies. They just like look like regular people. And it's not like if you showed it to someone, they wouldn't think yeah. it was scary at all, but it's like, just the feeling you have or or i'll have like uh like a big i remember i had one that there was like this monster that was running across the ceiling and it looked like a paper mache crappy mound like 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 kind of like that french fry mcdonald's french fry goblins okay made out of paper mache <laughs> with like dried mustard all over it yeah and it was just like and it was stupid looking but in the dream it was terrifying yeah so you wake up, up and weird i've yeah. had bad stop motion nightmares <laughs> uh, where it was like a real at the same time i'm like this stop motion but horrible but i'm you know when you wake up that dreams are a lot less intense than they used to be nightmares when you, you know when you're a kid they're oh they're horrible. right, right. dramatic experience but now uh Monster dreams are always adventure dreams. I've had zombie dreams. And I, I had uh, I had a cool one within the last year where we were running from zombies. And it was like, we, I don't remember who in the dream, it made sense. But there was a zombie chasing us. And the there was people on a bridge above saying, follow the markers, don't kill it. And then I was like, I was thinking, what are these people talking about? They're crazy. And I had a, I had a sword because it was a dream. And I take the sword <laughs> and I like, did this kind of sidestep thing and killed the killed the zombie and they were screaming at us just get up here now and we get to this place and they were really pissed because the zombies were a hive mind type and if they knew how you killed them they could avoid it the next time that's like such a great idea that, that it's like <laughs> you came it was, up with that you yeah came was, up with uh, that. i did it was in my dream <laughs> i know it's amazing but it's like it didn't seem it was didn't seem like my idea in the dream <laughs> but uh they, they would set traps they would they would get them when they weren't looking was the th trick that they had that, to do that yeah so that's that they weren't aware of it it's kind of amazing you should put that into a, you should write a script that's like uh have you thought about writing you ever thought about yeah writing? i'm actually saying that's the other thing i just recently gave myself permission to do uh, oh excellent was right but I, it's also the one i'm i'm writing it's uh it's very like a grown-up version of a Saturday morning cartoon. It's very sci-fi tropes, uh, and it's supposed to be a comedy, which oh, is wow. really weird to write. Um, but it's, I started, I, I want to have it, it started, I started writing it in April, and it was all synthwave inspired, um, <laughs> like bands like uh, Laserhawk and mm. uh, Power Glove, and Magic Sword, and Dance with the Dead. If you know any of these bands, it's very... 80s kind of callback synthesizer music and it you listen to it it just sounds like old movie trailers right and actually i was working with norm on uh scary stories to tell in the dark hmm. he introduced me to that stuff oh okay yeah and i just came up with an idea that i was like 
I got to make that. So I've been exploring that. And it's, it's a high, it was going to be a movie, but now I think it's going to be a Netflix series. <laughs> it's, it's too damn long. But uh, I guess story-wise, they got one more stop to make, and then they're about to uh, storm the castle and face the bad guys for the last time. But uh, nice. uh, I'll share it when it's done. Cool. Yeah. I've always exactly. wanted to, I always wanted to write. It seems like it'd be so much fun I, to write. A I, lo- I, I write on final draft and I write on an iPad. Like right now I, I got a new computer to get into ZBrush. And I actually bought the new computer with uh, my Biden bucks, you know, my, mm. uh, that was, I didn't realize I had a balance still on the card and I was, I was looking and I, it, it sometimes it feels like the gods kind of go, watch this, watch this. We're going to help them out. Yeah, and then, uh, I was like, I got to get a computer. All I got is an iPad. And I need to do. I need to start getting into, you know, exploring my potential in CGI, you know, or computer modeling. And I started to look at my credit cards, and I had my wallet. And I don't have many credit cards. I close them out. I don't use them. And so I'm looking at the ones I have, and like, and I'm looking at the back, and I'm calling the number to see if there's any balance on it or what what my limit is. And the first one I looked at was, it turned out, I recognized it. I was like, what is this one? It's even connected to my bank. And I called it and it was the EED card, but I had started working and I was oh. off, but they had sent like some tax stuff that had been granted. And I had, uh, I had enough to get a, a new uh, iMac. Oh, uh, cool. So uh, I felt like, I felt like, thank you, the gods, right. <laughs> my, my oblivious, not paying attention to financial stuff, but. That's great. Worked out, worked out great. So how long have you been doing ZBrush? Uh, I did it a long time ago. And I, I took a class at Studio Arts. Uh, if you don't know David Igo, you should actually talk to him on one of these things. Really? No, I don't know him. He worked at Sideshow for a long, long time. But he's hmm. also been a ZBrush instructor at uh, Studio Arts. He currently works at Tweeterhead. But again, it's like a, a statue company, like collectible statues. Right. And uh, he's a really creative dude, but he teaches a class. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that. He's funny too, which is always hilarious. That's he, good. He engaged. Yeah. And a, and a total fan of all this stuff. He knows all the nerd lores. Cool. Um, but uh, I started. I took a class a long time ago, and I was gonna try to make a jump. But it was also at the same time where. I, the movie Life of Pi was coming out, and everybody mm-hmm. started to put this green banner up you know, on their, on their image. And it was basically kind of this protest about. Oh yeah. Yeah. The way CG work was being done or farmed out or not credited to mm-hmm. people. So it, it came, it was still lucrative at the time. Like it seemed to be paying better than practical effects, but now it's kind of uh, leveled off. I think. Yeah. I was, <laughs> I remember that was going on. I was like, I was confused by it. And I, I was like, you know, you think you got it bad? <laughs> Go work mm-hmm. on makeup effects. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you have to reel that shit out into the parking lot. You started. You're working on a major motion picture, but you got to go set up that pop-up tent, roll out the uh, the kid tables. In the, hundred, kid tables. in the 170 degree on. Yeah. Or whatever the weather. Because mm-hmm. you're working right. with uh, barge or 1099 or toxic, what, toline-based yeah. you know, stuff. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> They don't show that in the making of. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you've been, you, I, I had the same experience with uh, ZBrush. I started using it on, I, I actually learned it for Land of the Lost for the Slee Stacks. Oh, okay. For, at Spectral. Yeah, the and sculptures that, are still up. Still uh, that, oh, really? 
Yeah. Your thing is still there too. Some of the, uh, some of the Guillermo pieces or like Hellboy pieces are there too. Oh, cool. That's cool. But I got, per- <laughs> like, I got, I got proficient at it. Like I, I was working, you know, it was like designing. I don't remember how we did it. It was basically designing the suit, just sculpting it for the, for the sculptors. I didn't actually sculpt on it. I just sculpted the ZBrush model and it wasn't, you know, at the point where they were going and getting it printed. I don't think, I think they just use it for reference, but um, then I got laid off from spectral and I was like, okay, this is my cue to go for it. And I, and I'm, you know, do my fine art career because I got laid off. And um, so I never went back to it. And recently I'm like, you know, getting into this whole <clears throat> reconsidering all, cause I used to do digital back, you know, back in the day I was doing digital. Uh, you were doing also. it when I met you, you had done yeah. a bunch of stuff for a tool. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, you had videos. There was that, you know, the, I think you were running those at Cannibal Flower too. Yeah, that's right. That's it right. Was the, the, it was the release bathroom kind of yeah tracking shot these creepy dark places yeah yeah it was the that was the release of the dvd was that show now that you mention it when i I first put it out because i like self-produced a dvd and um and now with the nfts it's like this is you know it's 20 years too early it's like this is how you would just display something like that so anyway i started getting into opening zbrush and opening my you know lightwave which is my old 3d program that i used to use and it was like on one hand, I could remember all these keyboard shortcuts still, but it's like the interface has changed so much. It's kind of, it kind of like learning it all over again. And, uh, but man, I wish I had. So any, I'm going to try and get back into it because now there's kind of a reason in it and it, and I really did enjoy it at the time. I'm digging it. I like it. I, and it's one of those things where I do get that. And I did this last time, but I, I think I was more intimidated by trying to fit in. I was working at legacy effects mm-hmm. and the, they were doing it They're They've been very pioneering, I think, and some yep. of the better stuff when it comes to uh, additive manufacturing incorporated into special effects, especially on that pipeline and that kind of time-driven pipeline. Mm-hmm. It's very experimental and everything's a prototype, but they got really good at using it to where it's, it's definitely, their strong point no other studio does it quite like that are they like printing molds and stuff no they've done that a few times and they've done it where it's like they've they've you know so you do your print then you capture it you're doing it reverse right but a lot of times it's the materials that they want to run can't live in the mold and ah. the rest that are created right, right. I, but that's not far I, i'm yep. sure it's getting easier now and there's probably casting casting materials in mold shops I was experiencing this today. I was trying to get them to look at a material I like, I'll clip stuff. Because as, as a fabricator, we're taking pieces that have already been sculpted, uh, cast, oftentimes painted, and then we'll have it. But we'll always have test materials too, or the pieces of test. And if I like the material, I'll take a Sharpie and write on it what it is, and I'll cut a piece out, punch a hole in it, and put it on a ring. Right. The material I liked. You know, I yep. liked it for these qualities. Yeah, and glue to it. It's flexible. It takes a beating. Right. It's friendly with other materials. It, you know, it doesn't reject everything from paint to glue to right. the next step. So I'll save those. But each, you know, the materials change enough to where people say, "Oh, I used a FT89." You know, it's it's all these different numbers and letters, kind of designation materials for uh, urethanes. 
uh, resins and that kind of stuff. But it, every shop has their favorite batch that right. they like to use. But yeah, the more I go from one shop to the other, the more kind of, I know this happens more for mold makers, but I'll, I'll bring my favorites along too. And, and that goes with glues and urethane adhesives and things like that. Yeah. Use it one shop, bring it to the other. They always say you're not supposed to, but when you show up from another shop, they're always glad to have you give that information. Yeah. 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 It only makes sense. I mean, yeah, it's part of the trade. I, yeah. There's a lot of stuff, you know, you write on an NDA. I'm not going to talk about the show. I'd love to talk about the show I'm working on now. It's so cool. And it's yeah. always the case, right? It's always yeah. something very new. You can't talk about it. So can't show it, pictures of it. Can't yeah. You can't do until it's I, I, my rule is, is I'll only do it after it's already been out on video. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's had its second run. A lot of people. What does that away. mean anymore? Streaming? Streaming, sure. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, for free, right? Uh, yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah. It's funny, there's so many interesting things with streaming that, uh, like, if you think about it, from my generation, even the kid, the kids that, right before streaming, we all grew up with Bugs Bunny, right? Mm-hmm. Every kid grew up with the Bugs Bunny. But from now on, it's just... They, they, my kids don't know Bugs Bunny. I tried to show it to them. They didn't care. There was 50 other things that were more right. their age or more contemporary or had a better poster. Yeah, we didn't have looking. we didn't have the choices. You no, know? we had it's what like, was on. And, a, and this is what's on. <laughs> yeah, this, this is what's on, and it's from the 50s and 60s, and you're gonna yeah, like it. That's reruns. Right? <laughs> that's why there's five generations of Gilligan's Islands fans, right? <laughs> that's a good that's point. I never thought about that. <laughs> But nobody knows Gilligan's Island now. Kids <laughs> these days, they don't know. It's only supposed to be a three-hour tour. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, okay, you can't talk about your current job. What? Um, what? I mean, what are you? What are your goals for the future? What are your big plans in life? Do you? Are you? First, we get rid of this plague, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I think more and more I I want to do, and I don't know how to break into it because I was I'm I'm always flirting with the idea of getting into a union or another, and I'm I'm SAG because I did puppeteering, but I'm not current in my SAG because I haven't had a SAG job, and uh, that's Screen Actors Guild, mm-hmm. and then uh, it's what you have to be in to get uh, paid. But you but also it's it's that thing where. I'm about 50 and I've never had a job that had health benefits, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then it's like I get, I want to do, I guess, you know, future wise, I want to lend myself to art directing. I love building stuff, but I also, I hate building other people's shit ideas. Right. And and there's so many times that that happens. And it's, there's a lot of our contemporaries and people that that do the design that absolutely should be doing design that I love. Right. But there's a lot of people out there that are just, it's that same, they're the deviant art click. You know, they steal stuff from deviant art. Everything starts to look the same. They don't understand, you know, they don't understand why it was cool in the first place (laughs) or they don't understand why it won't work on a person. Right. Or I, I would love to be the guy that goes, Here's everything I've made. Here's what I designed. Let's incorporate my my design and understanding of how to make it into the piece you want to make. Right. And then hit the ground running from there. I don't know exactly how to get into that other than to make myself more user-friendly with the tools that do that. That's where it's like the ZBrush or getting into CG. I don't need to have uh, 1,500 square feet and make a real costume. I can make a very realistic looking image of it and, you know, 
sell that image. That's all right. Done. So I'm more inspired by trying to do that kind of stuff. I'll always make my things, but job wise, I'd love to get higher up in the tier of uh, visual creation, mm-hmm. being part of that, uh, being part of the initial concepts, you know, yeah. being given the script and go, what do you think this should be? Hey now, how fun would that be? It'd be great, man. It seems like it'd be really cool to be able to contribute, actually contribute really creatively story-wise and look-wise. And, you know, it's like, it's happened a few times for me. Yeah. I worked, uh, I worked while Priest was being made. Yeah. And And that, I gotta say, that movie's a guilty pleasure. I don't know if you ever saw it, but. Which? uh, Priest. Oh, Priest priest yeah, post-apocalyptic yeah. one with paul bettany as a uh ninja priest you know this warrior order of priests well that's one I, yeah that's one i should watch again then because i i got so burnt out on making uh i forget the name of the director he was super cool though really got uh so blanking really great dude um i like their they, they did legion as well with paul bettany I remember doing these tattoo ideas for the the crosses on the face. And I like, I spent three months just doing photoshops of different ways you could put a cross on a face. Oh yeah. It was insane. It was yeah. insane. And I was, it was like one of my first jobs where I got to work from home and cause I was, I had been uh, out of the, the business and they, and, and this director, like my stuff and he asked me to work on it. And uh, so that was kind of cool, but I was like, man, careful what you wish for. Cause that's, that's right. it's hard that's to, true. it's hard yeah. to do. It seems like, Oh my God, I get to just do tattoo crosses on faces and some, and a, and a couple vampire designs, but then when that it's over, Hey, look at the kitty. Fuzzy child's being, he's hanging out by the door, but I'll let him out. Of okay. <laughs> he's going to walk back in at like two in the morning. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Yeah, but that was like uh, one of so those. So you had to do this guy's bidding still, right? I don't want that job. What do I want then? No. <laughs> I, I, I think any of our stuff is going to be where, again, you're getting the wage. It's the occupation until we're completely independently wealthy and can just make our own thing. You're always right paying bills. That's yeah. how you pay those bills, though. Uh, I've got to say that the art directors I do work with sometimes, I don't want to bag on all of them. Some of them are great, but there's oh, definitely yeah. that, the, there's definitely the people that, that flex, they have the clout and they flex, but they don't have the ideas or the, uh, the know-how, but they have right. the position and they have it above you. And so that they, they just kind of wring it out of you. And that's, that's, those are the lame jobs. Those yeah. are the ones that are not fun that make you want to leave the business right yeah yeah no you there's also there's it's also super rewarding sometimes and it's it's like it's the crews that you work with i I love that kind of stuff i I do always want to work with a crew yeah it is that's one thing i miss um about the industry is that i'm like on my own i'm not working with the crew anymore it's like i'm kind of doing i mean i have that freedom now which is great creative freedom but you know it's fun working with a bunch of people you like making something that's cool and fun. You know, <coughs> I, I, uh, I do kind of miss that, but yeah. then again, you know, I don't miss the drive. I don't miss getting up every morning and going and driving an hour in traffic and, you know, 
smelling other people's farts and <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> so, you know, there, there's, it's like anything. There's like, like I always say people are going to be annoyed at, at, uh, cause I'm saying it again, but I always felt like makeup effects was here. And then I thought being a fine artist would be way up at the ceiling mm-hmm. and it ended up being more like fine arts, like here, which is, it's better, but it's not like, you know, it's not up at the ceiling better. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. definitely. I prefer it. I prefer to be independent and making just what I want to make for the most part, but you know, it comes with all kinds of other, um, uh, other things that you never really thought about, like business crap, emails, yeah. customer service. I hate email. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not good at email. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's there's all those things. Like I did do that 23 and Me, and then uh, it came back. And there's a category they throw on there where it says your percentage of Neanderthal versus the rest of the population. And I had like a 95 percent more Neanderthal than than most of the population. And at first I was like, what? <laughs> then I was kind of like, yeah, I do. And screw, I, I hate school. I hate all this structure. I hate all this, this dumb triplicate form nonsense. This whole oh, yeah, bureaucracy in my worst, niche man. because you have to, you know, you know, it's not whether or not you could kill the animal or make a cave a home. It's right. It's now you have to present this uh, you know you have to do all these rules and yeah these well I, that's how I, f- I feel like you know the world is so um oriented away from artists in general because yeah know, more no, than nature <laughs> yeah you're yeah. gonna say nature like <laughs> it's definitely. it's true though but just the you know because like paperwork yeah. i mean i can't think of anything worse than filling a form out oh it's being my orga- organizing it's a I'm night- always late it's a night. Yeah. I, me too. It's a nightmare. It's like the worst possible thing. And it's so goes against my nature, but yeah, it's it like, that's, on the soul. Just yeah. Yeah. That's, but it's like, that's the way the world is. And that's kind of the way the world has to be to function. I think, you know, I really, it's, it's a necessary evil. I think, you know, what's the alternative, you know, play I, yeah, but- <laughs> uh, runaway plague. Uh, no, I agree. I, cause I do want this. I mean, as much as I dabble, and I know you do too, it's like very dark in our expression. And uh, it's always like the post-apocalyptic world. And it's kind of just where you, you let your imagination look at the world and it's the runaway view of it. Right. But I, I do recognize the need for order, but I, I want that order. And not to be like, you know, utopia, but I want that order to suddenly be seen not as endorsing or encouraging or, or, being the foundation of like a greedy culture and i feel like right. we are too much it's that capitalism's become that sound like a commie right but <laughs> capitalism is turning into like cannibalism i can't right. i can barely afford, i make a good wage and i can barely afford to live in the town i live in to do the job i can't do anywhere else it's insane yeah it's, it's, it's insane really crazy and the price of housing and and you listen to now nowadays everything's talking about such supply chain failure and that's only because we outsource everything to get it done by cheaper labor labor so that profits can be higher so it's that disgusting side of watching order work but not for the betterment of people right yeah 
I don't know what started this uh, self-righteous tirade, but it's just like, <laughs> I don't think this is the way we're supposed to live our pinnacle existence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like an optimist and I'm always sort of like looking at life in a way that's, I'm kind of one of those everything happens for a reason type of people because I can, I can look at my past and, um, I guess because I'm happy where I'm at now, I can look yeah. at my past and be like grateful for all the bullshit I had to go through and all the terrible times. And so all the terrible times that are happening now, I just kind of like think the same way. Like they're leading. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist. They're leading They're They're, they're here for a reason. Nothing doesn't happen for a reason. I know it sounds naive, but, and it's easy oh, for me to say sitting here. It's, it's in, the, uh, <laughs> But, you know, if you're in a war zone or something, you're not going to be saying, oh, it's all for the betterment of everything. But you know what I'm saying? There's no yeah. answer. That's the, yeah, that's we the are answer. Lucky. We, I, I have not lived in a war zone. <laughs> right. I didn't right. even have to join the military. I was flirted with that idea, but I never did. And I think I sleep well for it. Better for it. I'm going to appease the furry child. Okay. Yeah, there's just no answer. That's all there is. It comes down to it. Yeah, there's no, there's no, and, there's no answer. I could bitch all day about whatever, but I feel pretty fortunate to be a simian in this world yet express myself the way I want to. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's pretty um, damn, pretty damn great. Can't complain too much. You know, I, I, I gotta say one thing I've, uh, we were talking about art in the future and then uh, I gotta say, I want to do more art and they're saying it's just about, I'll, I'll take, I'll take this over this. Uh, that's right what now. I I'll take the <laughs> I'll take the fine arts thing a little bit more. I like it for the idea of, I love working with other people, but I also feel like I can take what I've learned and put it into the stuff that I make. Right. And I haven't been doing much of it. Uh, I, I don't have the space I used to that I was making these masks more mm -hmm. often. And then I've got kids now too. They're right, right. 12 and 10. And they take a lot of attention. Yeah, those are, those, those are my granddaughter's ages, 11 and 10. Gotcha. Awesome. Yeah, they're, they're grandkids, man. That's yeah, right. I know. I met them at Monster Palooza. Yeah, you probably did. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're super cool. Oh, I definitely want to do more art. And I, I got to say, I've always been real. I have never done a solo show. I've always been part of a group show. Right. Yeah. So I'll start to make a couple pieces, then a couple group shows will pop up or Monster Palooza will pop up. Right. I'll take those and I'll show, but I'll sell them. So part of me, it's like, do I, do I work solid for two years to build up enough stuff to get like the small room of Copro? Right. My, here's my dream. I would love to have the small room at Copro uh, and have that next to, you know, somebody else, whether it's like one of your shows or something, but I want to have at least a wall or a, yeah. five or six pieces to, to show not only like, Oh, there's one piece, but what I always try to show is a recognition of the opposites in a pantheon. And by pantheon, I always think of, you know, the, Acro the Acropolis and the Greek gods but then you've got your Norse gods. You've got every culture right. has their gods, and they've all got their Zeus, right? They've all got their Odin. Right. They've all got their hierarchy. But I love to try to make characters and express that. And then by showing the one in charge, you have you always have the minions, and the minions are somehow opposing each other for the same bit of power, the same step they're on. And then you have these kind of relationships that yeah, I, where they all get to be different, but they're all similar. I, I mean, I. Yeah, I, th I think you would be if if so if you if you had the appropriate amount of time and the funding to do it, 
just to focus full time on it. Can you imagine what an amazing solo show you'd have? I thought about it. I, I mean, it would be so cool, man. There was one time I saw, do you remember Congregation of Forgotten Saints? Yeah. So I, I, I was showing there and I had my best week ever there. A, a musician came in and bought uh, a musician. He's a, he's a rock star. I'm going to skip his name, but he bought three of my pieces in one week. Oh, wow. He was like, he, he came in and I had five pieces there shown all at once. And they were the, they were a lot of them were the ones I had made at Cannibal Flower. And I wasn't quite selling at Cannibal Flower because I was asking too much, but I got into there and this guy comes in and he goes, I really like these two. I can't decide between, and he tried them on. And then he said, I can't decide. I'll take them both. And then he's like, what else does this guy have? You know? And then it was, he bought a third one that wow, week. So like that's so cool. Grand in a week. And that was really good. Yeah. Uh, and, but at the same time, I kind of, I had a falling out with them and that they, they sold one of my pieces and that was always the intent, but they sold it to somebody who wanted to use it for a movie. Oh. So the poster of Hostel 3 is a, is a character I made that I had no intent to be part of Hostel 3. Oh, wow. And the lady that, that runs that place sells to this guy a lot. And that's, I Yeah, that's her, not cool. That's not cool. <laughs> well, she didn't really know it was happening at the time. Uh. And I didn't understand how much it was going to hurt her business or get her in trouble. But I, I, I told her, like, I was like, well, yeah, you make clothes and you sell clothes and they end up in movies, but I'm not making hats. Right. This is different. And you're it's and I got into a legal thing. Really not. I didn't have to get a lawyer, but I told them that I made them. I made they got it for nineteen hundred. I think it was just under two thousand. And it has goggles. and It's got man's needed branches for hair. It's a feminine character. It's got leather kind of headdress. It's a neat piece. Mm hmm. But they they bought it and used it in the movie and then tried to get me to sign something. And I was like, I'm not impressed. I work on the movies. Yeah, yeah. And if I charged you to do it, I would charge you this much. So I made them pay the difference. And it was only for it was only two grand more. I said, right. you know, it would have been a two-week job, I'd probably charge you four grand. You're gonna pay this much more. I uh, should have charged them more. <laughs> well, it got her in trouble with her regular client, and I was gonna uh, have a, a, a bigger a solo spot. That's bullshit, though. That's bullshit to yeah, but it's use it's the your thing. side of it. It's the schmoozy Hollywood. I know, in but you know what? I don't they, feel they, bad they, about it. They but know, but they know better than to use something like that and then come at you and say, "Hey, can can we use this in our movie?" You know well, if you I mean? look up Hostel 3 now, it's the poster for it on the stream, whatever streaming service. Wow. I, wow. People send that to me all the time, and I, I don't have a good They do that shit on purpose. They, you know, so that they I know they're fuck this guy. We're gonna use that poster now. Yeah, no, I told I, them they could do whatever with it, but they had to pay me more. Right, right, right. But they oh, yeah. but it's not like they asked first would and they knew, you know, mm -hmm. they know. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty uh backhanded, but whatever. That's cool. I, I mean, it's one of those things. Sometimes I wonder if I could have played that better. Could have, should have, would is. That yeah. One messes with me sometimes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I remember I, I, uh, I got to look this poster up. I remember I got a uh, hostel three. What? I don't see it. It's a uh, whatever streaming channel it's on. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I remember just one time I uh, I got asked to. Um, and I'm so bad on the computer now. Like I, I'd go and I'd look it up for you, but I'm afraid <laughs> that's, I'd lose that's the right. conversation. I'll look it I'm, up. I'm, after. I'm like trying to learn CGI, right? 
right. how to do ZBrush, but I can't even send a photo album without sending my whole Dropbox. Or <laughs> I, you can, I was going to say, you can kind of go too far the other way. Cause I remember one time I was, uh, got asked to put my paintings in a, in a movie. It was like a pretty big movie. I mean, not a huge movie, but you'd know it if I told you. And, um, and I got some advice from someone in the fine art world on what I should charge. Cause I didn't, it was like renting my artwork. Yeah. And they told me, Oh, they, you know, they're not a person that works in the movie business. They're like, Oh, charge this much per piece. They got, they're in the movie business. They'll be able to afford it. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds high to me. I would, I'm from the That's film industry. Yeah. It's like, that sounds too high to me, but I don't really care if it's in it or not. You know, it might even be a bad reflection of my artwork if the movie sucks. So I quoted yeah, the man, pro- it was Hostel Three, so I'm not really hurt. <laughs> so, so I uh, I quoted the high price, and they're like, uh, "Okay, no, never mind, bye." You know, there was like no, there there was no like, it was so far out of their range that there was no like back and forth or anything. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, "You can go too far the other way too by by trying to get too much money when it comes to something like that." But you had the upper hand because oh they yeah kind of used, used it without it asking. I could know? I could have asked for I could have I could have like wagered like well what's the if if I wanted to go for a maximum amount of money I could have been evil and thought like what's a lawyer consultation run these guys right. it's gonna be way more than what they paid me right totally <laughs> so I could have done that and uh, and figured out so yeah twelve grand that's what yeah. I want for it and get yeah. twelve grand for you could have gotten it man for oh, sure yeah you could have gotten they it fucked up they used it. You know, and then it's like, do we really want to? They can't like, go and cut all that out. Shooting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's going to cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars to deal yeah. with that mistake. But I made them give me a credit too. Oh, that's good. So that's I, good. I got that. You got your, you know, you got one of your art I pieces in a movie. I got the shit amount of money I was asking for and my credit. Yeah, the, but, but no, no, but you know what? You got it's different. It's like you got you weren't a work for hire. You got your piece of art in a movie, and that's different. That's cool. That's yeah. actually cool. That's like uh, I did. A, um, I worked on this movie called Bliss. It's like this kind of indie horror vampire crazy movie. It's it's insane. And I did a, a painting like the. it's about an artist. And she basically is turning into a vampire and doing all these crazy drugs while she's painting this painting. And it was I painted the painting for it. And um, and they let me design the painting and, and I got a front card credit. For the first time in my life, never in the movie business did I ever get a, a credit up front during this the wow. credits. Yeah. And um, and even though it was like a low budget movie, independent movie, to me, it was like cooler than having my name on Planet of the Apes or any of those Grinch or whatever, because it was like, you know, they came to me and asked me to be in it. And I got to do my thing. I got to design the the painting and and uh so it was like it wasn't like a work for hire in the same way that it, that no, it cool. used to be you know so no, I so that was like a big achievement you. for me and so and that's cool that i mean it is cool that you that you got your art piece in a movie it's different than being a work for hire i've I, i've also done things where i rented them to a commercial oh that's cool and then uh that was cool and it was a commercial i was working on and there was a production designer whose name was bruce too and he was really cool he had done art pieces. Uh, we we clicked on art. It's like we we did uh, Hollywood stuff, but then our, we talked about our own personal artwork. And he'd done stuff for, I think, the Surfrider Foundation. And he had done these really cool 
sculptures of sea animals, but they were almost out of, they, they looked like they were wounded and somehow reformed to look like rust. Mm. It was, it was about saving the environment, right? It was the, that's was, cool. That's pretty much what they, they're all about. Right. Surf Rider Foundation is actually really cool, but uh, it's that kind of thing where it's uh, his art was in style and kind of it's that modality it's like i like what you did there i can see how you get to that point and i showed him my mask and stuff and he dug that and he's like i need some props to fill up this space would you rent me that do you still have it i think he gave me like 600 bucks a day for each mask that kind of oh, cool and it was just in a commercial that was a, that only ran for a little bit yeah that's great but it was still neat yeah my own stuff and it was it to have it kind of brought in on the side that was while i was working for legacy effects and then i just kind of did it on the side too I, they had an assistant run down and pick it up it was at that same gallery and she wanted to, this what's her name but it was her place i'll remember it as soon as we're done yeah but she wanted to rent it out and it's like i'll rent your stuff out for you and then she'd get a piece and i'd get a piece but mm -hmm. it would be like but these pieces are very fragile they, yeah the yeah i showed earlier there, if if you dropped any one of those, it would break like a dinner plate. <laughs> it, it, it becomes a total jigsaw mess to glue back together. Right. I've probably done it, especially with my older pieces when I was figuring out how to make them. But I, I wasn't comfortable with having her rent them out. Right. I think she kind of thought like, well, why do you get make make the money on it? Because it's, it's my art. Yeah. <laughs> but exactly. uh, there was a lot of lessons in that. I liked that place too, though. It was a. Uh, Again, it was called Congregation Forgotten Saints. It was mm -hmm. on Melrose. Yep. I went yeah, there once, totally I think. Totally on her name. But they had really cool artists showing. Mm -hmm. Camera Cam and uh, uh, good God, Jeremy Cross. Mm -hmm. All these guys that we still see. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was also, it was, a, imagine, like, hot topic for real rock and roll bands. Right, right. And it was yeah. a, a very kind of uh, dark rock, trendy clothes. Yeah high-end couture couture, uh, no, couture. <laughs> like professional design right yeah. unique items so it's cool yeah. to have pieces in there yeah well i you know I, I hope you i definitely hope you continue creating your own original work and those i just think those masks are such a great idea and it's such a such a rich kind of theme i'll tell you i you never know, get a lot of times people talk about the art and they feel trapped by the, the you know some right. art, some artists we know they get stuck and they kind of feel like they're trapped in that thing and they want to escape from it that's why yeah. I, I don't want to just do masks i got all these other things i'll send you photos because i'd love to i'd love to show what's right yeah yeah no we'll do like a gallery in the patreon uh cool. of your work but uh i don't do i don't finish one mask without having an idea for two more yeah nice. yeah so it's yeah that's a and i'm sure with your work too because that's I, why i, mean, I chose monsters i'll mean you yeah i'll never get bored i'll just never get bored painting monsters there's no way but it's also that's that same kind of facial structure i see all my guys have that kind of there's a facial structure whether right. it's a machine or something organic that i really kind of lock in on jaw lines cheek yeah yeah bone to mouth and we all have our ways of doing it and yeah, and what makes it look our style? I never felt like I had a style until I had a several pieces. Yeah, that I could look yeah. at and go, "Oh shit, I see a style." You know. Yeah, you have to. I mean, that's how you develop your styles. You create work. Yeah, you know, that's it. You can't. That's what a lot of people don't realize. It's not like as an artist, you go, "Okay, 
this is going to be my style. And you imagine right. you, it's like, it doesn't work that way. It's like your style is something that develops organically just from creating work over and over, you know? My kids are both pretty artistic. My, my daughter doesn't draw as much and I'm trying to encourage her to do it more mm-hmm. without making it a chore. You know, right. I, can't, I can't make it the thing she doesn't want to do. Yeah, but my yeah. son is always drawing. He draws oh, the same cool. stuff and it's monsters and characters. And right. He's way into it. And I'm showing him all the movies that he's 12. So I'm trying to keep it pretty appropriate to his age, but we'll have days where it's like, uh, I'll have him and uh, my daughter will be with their mom. And then it's like, okay, you want to watch the thing and <laughs> do these kind of double features. Right. And then, then we did Blade Runner a little bit ago. Cool. Um, but I'm constantly bringing him up and he's, he's, he's like, dad, how do I develop a style? That kind of thing. Oh, wow. He's really, you know, he's also that point where I see so much of myself in him as far as like not being great at school uh, and uh, but constantly drawing stuck in his own things you know, to his own detriment. Right. <laughs> you know, all those kind of things. It's like watching somebody repeat all the mistakes that you made and trying to encourage them without right. being overbearing. It's really, yeah, yeah. it's an awesome, rewarding, complicated dynamic. But yeah, uh, yeah it's got to be. Uh, uh, he sounds like an art kid to me yeah totally you is. know yeah, his stuff's great and uh, i'm i there's i i i try to help him all the time and i i definitely he draws enough to where i'll tell him like i like this one a lot this is really good i like you definitely draw better than i did at your age right you're way ahead of me you're probably where, where i was you're 12 now i didn't draw that good till i was at least 14 15 and right. here's what i like about it i'll give him all the compliments and then he'll show me other stuff and i go that's not good this is horrible. And why don't you put your stuff in a binder? Cause I'm tired of seeing your wrinkled drawings. You know, that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm tough on them too. I don't praise everything. Right. And then I'll, I'll be rough on them sometimes, like not congratulate them just for the, for the mere doing of it. It's got to show effort. It's got to mm-hmm. show that he's, he's getting better at something. Then I'll praise him for that. Right. And I always find that he does better when I'm a little bit tough on him. Hmm. So it's that it's that role as a dad trying to curate the talent that I had. I didn't have anybody that was artistic when I was a kid uh, for me, mm. but I'm trying to do my best at to be encouraging and teach him what I can when, and let him flex his style, let him discover his own thing and his own way, but give him pointers along the way. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's when it's, it takes a lot of time, but it's also it's really <laughs> rewarding. And I dig yeah. it. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see what he's going to turn into. Yeah. But at the same time, there's all that other stuff, just being a kid and a boy in this day and age. And oh, my God. Yeah. Access to everything. And yeah. And the plague and all this and crazy the shit. Oh, my God. It's been rough. That, yeah, that yeah. Like not being in school thing was tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I kind of experienced like experienced it with a nice distance with my granddaughters. Mm. They, they come over like every weekend pretty much just because it's fun and they like it here, but we've experienced, and they maybe stayed with us for a week one time when they were, you know, doing the remote schooling and it's like, yeah, I could see this kind of sucks Yeah, for everybody, but um, I was able to experience not have to really deal with it. <laughs> yeah it's so we great forts we built forts inside and i let them stay up for weeks months you know that kind of thing just yeah, yeah yeah they had a uh they had a I have this camouflage net it was back here off this bookshelf 
behind this couch and then we you know, let them keep it and we put small tables in there and christmas lights and it was like their little extra room hidey hole that's so cool and, uh, it, it worked out all right they make stuff in their room and yeah it's is, uh, i gotta tell you man it's so much fun being a grandparent it's the best yeah. it's well, all the yeah, be- all the, the all the benefits and none of the bullshit none it's of the like, dishes <laughs> yeah it's amazing it's ama- it's so much fun it's like and it's like I feel like I'm older, so I can really appreciate how fast it goes now, too. Mm. And so I'm very mindful of like, this is not going to last very long, actually. They're- well, I try to impress upon them to also like, look, look, you guys want nothing but to grow up right now. Right. But your childhood is actually really brief. Yeah, you're really going to just precious. keep, you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to get back to it. Yeah, you're just going to get older. <laughs> That's all that happens from then on. You're going to, you know, I... My kids will make fun of like dad's bald. I let it, I let it slide. <laughs> and then I tell them, I go, I, my boy's 12. I go, yeah, I lost, started losing my hair when I was 15. You know, it didn't really happen until I was like late twenties, but he, he goes like, you know, that, that kind of like, yeah. <laughs> this is your future. <laughs> but enjoy your childhood. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, you, the youth is wasted on the young. They say it's so true. You yeah. can't, you can't understand it. You just, every a process every every human being has to go through well how old are you now 54 54 i'm yeah, yeah i'll be 50 this this uh this year it's funny i think about that statement sometimes but also i i don't think i would be where i was if i didn't just kind of live and relax when i was young to you know it's like what would you do if you were young again yeah right what you really do yeah I don't think because it's like, let's say you're young again. Let's say this is existential talk, right? Amongst artists, not talk about art. But let's say you get to go back to your youth. It's not time travel. You're young again. You don't get to go back and like invest in Netflix or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're young again. What do you do? Yeah. I would, I mean, I, I, it's funny because I always think, I wish I would have started my art career when I was in my twenties and not when I was in my thirties. Cause I had, I made this total shift in, after I'd been in this career for like 15 years. And um, so it's like, I wish I would have just started there instead of effects. But then I'm thinking that I, part of the reason I'm, I'm able to paint as well as I do and sculpt is I, I wouldn't be as good of a sculptor or painter. My artwork wouldn't be as good if I didn't spend all that time in effects because I was getting yeah. paid to, yeah. to study anatomy to uh you know become familiar with materials to sculpt and 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 get all the the feeling of clay you know it's like so much of creating art is like an unteachable thing like how hard to push on the clay you can't ripping that skin under you you ever you know you sculpt so much you tear that yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) but i mean just like you know how much pressure you put when you're using a rake or something you can't teach that it's like the only way to learn it is by doing it and it's like that with oil painting too is there's no way to tell you how much paint to put on the brush and how hard to put drag the the brush all across the canvas it's like the only way to learn it is by doing it so so, but so I feel like uh, I really was lucky to spend all that time. It was really like kind of going to an art academy in a, in a weird way, sure. like having tons of reference everywhere, all the skulls and bones and, and, you know, all the best anatomy books. Also, yeah. it's that kick in the ass of uh, a colleague demanding that you keep up. Or right. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. That, there's nothing like the pressure of the people that you look up to looking over to you and like, are you going to hold up your end of what yeah. you're going to do or are you going to be the, the weak link? 
Well, that well, that was for me. That was when I got over to Rick's. It really yeah. lit, a, lit a fire under my ass and, and made me realize I had a, a long way to go because I was working around Mitch Devane, Devane and yeah. Kazu and Matt Rose and Steve Wang and Norman, and it was just like, yeah, this is the big time. And 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 I I I don't know if I said this on another podcast or in some interview, but. That's I didn't. Right. This is our conversation. That's right. That's right. That's there right. may be two hundred and thirty-two, but <laughs> <laughs> you're two thirty-one. A two thirty-one. But I, I like I get going there and seeing like especially the work that it was Kazu too. The work that Mitch and Kazu were doing, um, detail-wise, I didn't think it was possible to do it. Like I'd never seen work up close like that because I was at Altarian for. 10 years the first 10 years of my career and i was sort of like the lead art guy for most of the stuff and it's like i didn't know about you know the texturing tools of mitch devane and yeah you know so i just went there and i was like wow you can make it look exactly like the real thing you could make a sculpture mitch can sculpt an exact copy of a life mask and get every single pore exactly and it's like i didn't know you could do that like with the, I mean, the characters he'll do yeah that, yeah uh, yeah 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 but the cat it's refined cat brush and plastic it's like i'd never heard of any of that shit so it was really it was great i spent five years there and i just became way better in those five years and so nice you know so i, I like getting back to the point i always think i wish i would have started younger because now it's like I'm, I'm at a good place my art career is finally like i'm not sweating every single month right and it's only been like since the last few years maybe congratulations man uh, thanks thanks but yeah but i'm like 54 now (laughs) dude that's fine if you this this is that coast in this is the thing it's like i want to get there so where i talk about cooksy and and these i need to fold into that soon because i'd love it to be kind of my retirement scheme right, right? if yeah. i can do i don't want to do the thing where i'm retired i'm gonna read all those books and and not travel it's like th- that's when everybody dies if i if i get yeah. to retirement age and i can i'd rather just make all my all the stuff i want to yeah somehow generate a comfortable income i mean yeah. that's that to me is the ultimate goal is to yeah. do what you want when you want yeah yeah be able to live off of it yep Still yeah. push yourself. Don't be lazy about it. You know, you need to maintain that discipline or you might as well not be alive. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't well, want to be a vegetable. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, um, I'll never stop working because I just, it's what I would love to do anyway. Yeah. I'm doing I, get, what, I guess by vegetable, I mean, just some mouth breathing TV watching person. Right. I don't want right. to exist like that. Well, that's what, yeah, that's not, you'll, you'll die like that because it's yeah. not, you know, that exciting or fun. Yeah. It doesn't get out. But well, shit, we're like at two hours, so I, I I'm gonna yeah, we're over two hours. So that was easy. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. It was amazing. It was great. I I um I I just want to see you keep continuing expressing your own unique vision with your work. Thanks, man. I'm gonna show you a couple of things here I've made over the pandemic. How about that? Okay, okay. All right, then I'll be quick about it. It goes into you people so- listening tough luck yeah exactly you have to watch the video i'll yeah. post pictures yeah yeah you're gonna have to wait for the uh you have to join the patreon and uh to see the video version whoa see this 
Yeah. No way. Articulated and then it's posable. That so is this, so amazing. Holy this, shit. And it's supposed to be like a, a, a hornet. That's Not so a bird, cool. But like, you know, the bumblebees, it's supposed to have that kind of proportions. That is so This is all cool, kit bashed. And it's all ah, I would love, I would so, love to do something like that. It looks so fun. Oh my I god. I went way into the weeds on this project. And then here's the goggles that are supposed to control that nano machine. So oh man, that's it's awesome. Like, well, ski goggles and again, greeblies and nernies that get, get over <laughs> that. And then it's got it's got uh, I'll send you pictures of those, but there's another version that's a smaller one. Again, it's always like opposites or pairs or corresponding uh, pieces, but I've that's all the kind of stuff I've been creating here. So great. So, not so just mass. I, hey, let me, I want to do a show that enc- encompasses all of it. Right. That's right. feasible. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You know like, what? This goes with masks. Absolutely. Anything, you know, here's the thing. My perspective is anything is possible. The trick is you've got to get, a fan base that's interested in whatever you're working on. I guess making it and presenting it and it's going to, it's going to let you know really quick. Yeah. I just think, I just think if you, you know, if you market yourself to your, if you get your audience that likes what you, what your vision is and they want to see what you make, it's not like they're coming to you for your masks. They're coming to you for you. They want to see what you come up with. So anything you make, they're going to be, stoked about you know it's like i've got i'm lucky i've got i was able to get a like a really loyal kind of cult fan base for my work and they're 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 into the tattoos man (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) it's like anything i do they're interested in seeing and it's like it's 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 amazing and so it's what i always wanted it's not like everyone's just like oh do another you know do another monster painting it's it's like they're into the sculpture they're into the, when i paint a dog you know it's like awesome so so if i got you i, I do that the same i follow people the same way so I yeah guess yeah that's like up to that you know that's like any great artist or band you know when when it's when you really love them you just you don't want to do the same thing you want to know what they're into and what they're doing and that's what is exciting good point so you know you just got to keep building your fan base up basically and keep promoting and marketing yourself on social media i guess awesome i gotta yeah. get more on that hey this has been a pleasure man thank you this is really easy it, I, uh, it's good oh to yeah talk to i knew it'd be so much fun i couldn't wait to have you on i um, hope it's cohesive to listen to oh it's people are gonna love it yeah i'm, awesome. I'm excited i'm excited um that we just have to do the sign off first and, and you have to say uh goodbye audience so say goodbye audience that's right the sign, that's a stupid sign off I came up with and I keep doing it. I hate well, it. Well, so I go by the conceptual executioner. So you can look that up. Nobody's still in that mind. Oh yeah. So you can be oh. able to find me on uh, conceptual ex- executioner. Facebook that's right. and Instagram. I'm not on it as much as I probably should be. It's actually I find uh social media to be kind of testing sometimes. It is, but, but uh, it's the only game in town, man. Yeah, you yeah. got you got to do it. You got to do it. Do reels. Go on Instagram. Start start doing reels. I'll talk to you off off the, uh, when we're done. But right uh, um, say goodbye, everyone. Right on. Hey, it's been a pleasure, everybody. <laughs> if you made it this far, thank you very much. That's uh, it was it's been a real good time just to catch up and talk to Chet. So I'm, I'm it was awesome. It. Okay, goodbye, everyone. Bye.